pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. South Texas Gardening with Bob Webster is on the air. Talk to Bob now. 210-599-5555. All right. Good morning, Audie. <laughs> I was just I was talking to my business partner a little while ago on the phone and said, you know, first day in over a week that I haven't put on long underwear <laughs> before I headed out this morning. So it is a much nicer morning across San Antonio and the Hill Country in South Texas. Much, much better temperature than it has been. And, uh, you know, I'm actually sitting here looking out on a beautiful garden because we literally put every plant in the nursery inside of one of our greenhouses and uh, got it all back out yesterday. So you never even know we've had a freeze just looking out the back window. But, man, driving around... There's a lot of damage out there. A lot of things, uh, a lot of things are cosmetically hurt. Some things are beyond that. And I know we'll be talking about that a whole lot today. All the phone lines are already full. So hang on a minute before you dial. This is going to be Roy and Rosa and Travis and Michael. And, um, you know, there's just so much to talk about and so much to, uh, so much to do. I think we should just go straight to the phone lines. We can always come back to my topics a little bit later. But, uh, right now, let's say good morning, Roy. Morning, Bob. How you doing? <laughs> well, I am doing better this morning than I have been for a few, but <laughs> it's going to be next few weeks are going to be really interesting in the plant world. Same here. Uh, I've got a question for my niece, and she had some snapdragons that were really going good, and yeah. of course they froze down, and she wanted to know if, if they would come back or could she pull them up or what. And where does she live? Uh, she lives in San Antonio. It. Uh, yeah, yeah. North side, south side. Uh, north side. Okay, probably pull them up. Yeah, I'll probably pull them up. Yeah, it's uh yeah, they're they're pretty well toast. If they look like they've just melted down, if she sees any foliage green and upright down at the bottom, uh then they may come out. You know, snapdragons will take 18 degrees, but they won't take 8 degrees. So uh uh my advice if she wants color back in there today, plant petunias. They don't care if we get another frost. They'll go down in the low 20s okay. at least without damage and uh and of course you can still plant pansies. Pansies won't last as long into the summer as petunias will, but uh, or dianthus. You know, most of the dianthus uh, that I've looked at came through pretty well, but alyssum, snapdragons, calendulas. I'm afraid those things are uh, well. Yeah. They're they're not toast. They're mush. So uh, yeah, hate hate to say that, but she probably will want to get something else going in there. Okay, uh, and also my snow peas. I had some snow peas going. They were about a foot tall. Yeah, and uh, they got those pretty good. Yes, sir. Uh, again, I don't know if there's any more seed. I was planning to replant mine yesterday, and I went to our seed rack, and we've got everything except snow peas. So if you can find more seed, I would put some more in the ground because we've still got a chance. Uh, we've got enough time for them to come up and start producing. They, You know, you'll be picking for probably four to six weeks instead of eight to ten weeks. But um, I hate to say it, snow peas are among the less hardy of our wintertime vegetables. So uh, I'd, I'd sure stick a few more seeds in the ground. They sprout and grow quickly as it warms up. So I think there's still time to make some if you can find some seed. 
Well, I got plenty of seed left, so I'm going to plant some more. Ah, and, uh, lucky you. <laughs> do it, do it this afternoon, Roy. And one more thing that uh, I have planted some seed again because I've got the native sparrows eating the foliage off my snow peas or were. Yeah. So I planted a bunch of more new seed around them, and they they came up under the snow and they're sprouting. Oh, good, so, good. Well, listen. Anyway, but. If those uh, if those uh, sparrows continue to be a problem, the uh, the row cover fabric that we call insulate that we use to protect right. so many things, uh, it well it lets enough light through that if you wanted to, uh, you could drape that over over your emerging snow peas so the sparrows can't get to it and there'd still be enough light for them to come up and grow. If you have any of that real open weave bird netting, that would be even better because it lets even more light through. But that insulate is remarkable stuff. It, it lets plenty of light through to carry on photosynthesis, so uh, don't let the birds uh, take away what Mother Nature didn't. Well, I thought I overbought the insulate this last fall. I had so many. I bought over $100 worth. <laughs> <laughs> I use every bit of it. Ah, well, I was going to say, if you had any left over, you could probably sell it for $100 of package on eBay <laughs> last week. But, uh, yeah, we got almost everything covered, and uh, at least personally I did. Uh, here at the nursery, we literally, our greenhouses are so crammed with plants that uh, you could not walk into them. But consequently, we only had, uh, you know, minor damage to things here. So we're just counting our blessings. And, uh Every, everybody had damage, but uh, yeah. we just uh, are going to hope most things uh, in the ground will come back. I, I was looking at our Akuba and some things yesterday, and at this point, you'd hardly even know. Akuba is one of those hardy things you'd hardly even know had a problem. I know lots of people are sitting out there with questions about roses. Most roses are going to be fine because it's normal for roses to lose their foliage in the winter. People have forgotten that. I don't know about these new knockouts and some of those things, but overall we're going to have lots and lots of stuff come back. Well, okay, Bob. I really appreciate your answers. Well, it's always a pleasure, Roy, and uh, you get out and get some replanting done, and I'll be calling you when I need some snow peas. Yeah, and it's potato time for me this morning. Yep, yep. Uh, it's uh, a good thing to get planted. Yes, sir. All right. Thank you. Thank Have you. a great day. You're welcome. Rosa is up next. Good morning, Rosa. Hey, good morning. I have a good question for you this morning. All right. Okay, how about celery seeds? Is it too late to plant celery seeds? Um, yes and no. If you're going to use your celery as a foliage, like a leaf celery, um, uh-huh. there's still time to do that. Uh, there, it's too late to actually get much in the way of stalks. And, uh, you know, if you leave it out there too long, they're going to get bitter when the weather gets hot. But if you're looking just to have some nice celery leaf, some good flavor, plant them today. Oh, wonderful. Okay, and then uh, my roses, I haven't pruned them. So, how, and, oh, and, and climbers. Do you prune climbers? No, no, not at this time, because climbers bloom on the wood that grew last fall. If you prune your climbers now, you won't have any flowers this spring. So our climbers, we let them bloom, which is usually April, maybe May, and we prune our climbers if they need it. They don't have to be pruned at all. But if they need some uh, tidy-up, uh, then you can do that after they finish blooming. But your bush roses, I would trim those immediately if you haven't already done. So we always look at about Valentine's 
Wednesday. Now it's going to be just fine because things really had not started growing. So get out and on your bush roses, trim as much as you need to. And don't worry if a lot of the foliage looks bad because back in the days when we got, it seemed like we had colder, not this cold, but had colder winters with some regularity, it's perfectly normal for roses to lose every leaf. So I don't know about the miniatures. I don't know about the knockouts. We just haven't been through a winter this cold with those things, and I'm not sure how much damage they will have suffered. But your Belinda's Dream, your Mr. Lincoln, your Oklahoma, your Peace Roses, I doubt very much that they have any serious damage at all. So uh, put on your gloves and go get to work pruning. <laughs> Sounds great. Hey, listen, do you think the wildflowers got frozen? I doubt it. I doubt it. Because oh, so uh, Blue Bonnets had not begun putting their... Uh, you know, their their phase that blooms on. I don't think paintbrush has hardly even sprouted. I have not seen any California poppies up yet. So uh, I, you know, if anything, the snow brought some moisture. The wildflowers will need to do well. So I may be wrong. Don't, don't you know, be selling any tickets for wildflower tours yet. But uh, I think our wildflowers are going to probably be prettier this year than they have in several years. Well, my poppies are all up. <coughs> But um, I don't know about the other flowers. And I was just going to ask you to see just one more thing. Yes. Uh, I don't have any knockouts. Let me see. After bloom, I'm trying to see what can, what else. Oh, I was going to ask you, can I mix the compost with the soil in my garden to make it be softer? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Now, you oh, don't want to mix good. mulch in, but if your compost is well done, uh, you go right ahead and mix it in and uh, do like me. Get ready to plant potatoes this week. Or whatever you oh. like to plant. <laughs> oh, and how about the tomatoes? When do I put them on? I still have the little plants inside. When it's not going to freeze anymore. <laughs> you know, I used to work with a wonderful gentleman named Mr. Alton Grimm, and uh, and, and people used to come in and, and they'd say, when's it going to freeze, Alton? And he'd say, when it gets to 32. <laughs> so... Yeah, when you think we're past the danger of freezing weather, uh, I usually get fooled, but that's when I get my insulate out and cover them up again. But typically, by the middle of March, we're okay to put them out. But uh, uh, they will not take a freeze, nor will peppers or eggplants or beans or any of those things. So um, err on the side of caution. Don't be in a big rush. You can put those little plants outside in their pots. They will absolutely love that on a warm afternoon like it's going to be today and tomorrow. But I'm sure not planting mine in the ground yet oh i can take them in and out and it's all right they will love that okay well that's enough for today thank you so much i really appreciate it (laughs) i appreciate you rosa thank you do y'all have any comfrey you know um wait and call back after 10 we did yesterday but i took off a little early yesterday to go turn my water back on and i found out when i went to get some more spinach that we'd sold all sold out of it so i did not notice when i toured the nursery this morning whether we still had comfrey or not but call about 10 and uh uh, you know, if if we do, uh, we'll be happy to set a couple of plants aside for you so you don't have to rush to get here. Oh, wonderful. All righty. Thank you so much. Have a great day. <laughs> you do the same, Rosa. Thank you for the call okay. this morning. <laughs> Goodbye. Bye-bye.
All right, let's do a quick break. Travis and Michael will be next, uh, but I get to talk to you for a moment about Medina Agriculture. And let me tell you, fertilizing is going to be a very high priority. Now, if you fertilized when I told you to back in January, you are way ahead of the game. But if you haven't fertilized since like September or October, you need to get some of that good Medina growing green out right now on your grass, on your trees, on your shrubs, on your ground covers, virtually everything out there took you know at least froze at least some of the active foliage on it grasses of course st augustine is just fine but it's frozen down to the runners for the first time in years in order for those plants to recover nicely they need nutrition and good organic fertilizer like medina makes does not go to the plant immediately it can't just grab it and grow it has to digest it just as you and i have to digest our food before our bodies can really make use of it the microbes in the soil digest the fertilizer for your plant so when you feed you're actually providing for the plant's needs you know 30 to 90 days down the road so don't put off really warm weather before you put your fertilizer on your plants need it now and there's just nothing better than growing green for grass and trees and shrubs and ground covers and bedding plants and vegetable gardens and of course for your plants in pots hopefully they went inside and survived but a little bit of medina's has to grow plant would be great and all your house plants as well. They're hungry too. So many good things come from Medina. You know, that soil activator, if you want to work on getting that soil softened up, well, make that one of your February resolutions to be doing that on a monthly basis. If you're looking for, you know, a new fertilizer to try, give Medina's new fish formula a try. That has been just amazing in my greenhouse. Medina's just got lots of good things, all of them natural, many of them certified organic. Look for the name wherever fine organics are sold. Medina agriculture south texas gardening with bob webster is on the air news talk 550 ktsa and fm 1071 all right back to gardens gonna be travis and michael and kim and glenn and travis is next good morning travis morning mr webster i was calling about uh your vinegar orange oil mix for the week yes sir yes sir Um, i was using it and i was using one of those two and a half gallon just hand pumps Yes, sir. And uh, when I when I let it sit, it seems like I guess maybe the acidity of the vinegar kind of eats away at the pump or the seals or something. Yeah, I never. If, uh, I was going too strong, or if I shouldn't be using a pump. Or uh, no, p- pump up is fine, but never leave it in there. I always tell people mix up only as much as you need and uh, and spray it out, and then rinse it good because uh, you know if you've so accurately observed uh, that vinegar is really hard on the rubber seals that are in that sprayer. And um, so one thing you can do if you feel like they're that it may have damaged them, take a little oil of some sort. Vegetable oil is one of the best things you can use. Just you know that crud you get at the grocery store wesson oil or whatever and and just rub that on on all the little pliable rubber surfaces that you can find there's going to be uh right down that that center piece that goes down into your sprayer uh there's going to be uh uh and, and you can actually work the sprayer up and down a little bit but uh rub that real good with some of that oil and that will soften up some of that plastic that may have gotten hard okay okay perfect and that's uh one gallon to two ounces is that correct you're exactly right, and and then a little little dash, dash of dish soap in there as well. Some people add molasses, but the vinegar, orange oil, a little bit of soap are the main things. Okay, and 10 to 20% strength on the 
on the vinegar is best. You know, up to 20%. If you're just doing weeds like clover and henbit and uh, real soft things like this winter grass that comes up, uh, 10% or 9% is what you're likely to find. The pickling vinegar is fine. If you've got tougher weeds, then the 20% is going to work a lot better and a lot faster. But remember, if it doesn't have green leaves on it, it's not going to work. So anything like little hackberries and things that have dropped their leaves, uh, wasting your time to spray them until they put some foliage on in the spring. Okay. Thank you, sir. Always a pleasure. Thank you for the call, Travis. Have a wonderful Sunday. Mike, Michael's next. Good morning, Michael. Good morning, Bob. Thank you for taking my call. Thank you for calling. I had a question. I'll try to make it as short as possible. I have some bulbs yes, sir. in very large planters. I've uh-huh. had them probably 10 years at least. And when they, you know, they're real long, the real long green foliage on it, they're kind of thick, almost like a, I don't even know what kind of flower it is. It was passed down yeah. from my mom who gave me these, some bulbs. Which yeah, they're probably what are, yeah, they're probably what are called crinum lilies. The, the leaves are, oh, fairly wide, maybe almost an inch wide and very, very fleshy. Yes, and they're probably like about at least a foot to a foot and a half long. Yep. Those are various kinds of crinums. The most common one is called hymenocallus or Peruvian daffodil. But um, uh, how big a container was it? were those plants in? They are in, it's probably at the top, probably two feet wide. Okay. Probably about two and a half feet deep. Okay. Uh, they will almost cer- certainly come back. Uh, they may not come back as strong. You might as well get in there, and in the case of the lilies, probably a sharp knife is going to work better than pruning shears. But just cut away, um, you know, all of that mushy foliage that's up on top. When you get down to the bulbs, Feel the bulbs. If the bulbs feel nice and firm, then you don't need to put anything else on them other than fertilizer. If the bulbs feel a little soft, and this is going to sound really weird, but sprinkle them real good with cinnamon. Because uh, cinnamon is a natural antibacterial. We would use cornmeal for fungal problems. But the thing that you have to worry about with bulbs that may have suffered some freeze damage, bacterial rots are a lot more devastating than uh, than fungal rots are so when you get down there if the bulbs feel nice and solid you don't need to do a thing except wait for them to come out and they'll come out and probably bloom this spring and everything but if they feel at all soft or mushy after you cut that top foliage off give them a pretty heavy uh, pretty heavy dose of cinnamon like you were making some yourself some cinnamon toast man does that sound good this morning <laughs> just a, a good heavy sprinkling <laughs> yeah <laughs> well you can do something about it I can camp for the next couple hours but uh anyway a little bit of cinnamon on on those bulbs if you feel like the bulbs any portion of the bulbs have frozen and be pretty stingy on water until you see new growth coming out uh until until they get some green leaves they don't need a lot of water don't let soil go bone dry but uh we're sure not going to be watering them with any regularity once you see new growth coming out then you want to water and i'd be probably putting a little has to grow or good fertilizer in the water every time i watered them i just want to follow up on that um about a week and a half maybe two weeks prior to this freeze i did fertilize them with has to grow that's good that's good see see what happens and 
You know, I, I can't just say yes or no. I have to tell you why. But when you fertilize, you raise the level of sugars in the sap of the plant. It's called the BRICS, B-R-I-X. And the more sugar you've got in the sap, the more antifreeze you have, because sugar's a good antifreeze. You know, ask me as a kid when I tried to make some popsicles with a little extra sugar in them, and they wouldn't freeze. Sugar's a real good antifreeze, and the more sugar your plants have in their sap, uh, the better they will able to withstand this cold. So you did a great thing feeding them, you know, a couple of weeks before the cold. That'll that'll probably help them come out. Great. I appreciate uh, your advice and your expertise, and you have a good day. You do the same. Thank you, sir, and goodbye. All right. Uh, let's see. I wasn't crossing things out. I believe Michael's up next. Good morning, Michael. Uh, that was Michael. Okay, that's what I was afraid of. Uh, good morning, Kim. <laughs> good morning. Um, good morning. I have a Meyer lemon that uh-huh. is alive, but it took a beating. <laughs> okay. And I'm curious. I mean, it had gotten really tall, so I had, you know, was interested in pruning it a bit anyway. I mean, is this a, what should I do? Nothing at this point. (laughs) Because, you know, it sometimes takes a week or two or three or four for the damage to really show up. And did that, was that lemon brought inside or was it just covered? No, it was in the ground. I had a tarp on it and I had a space heater in there that apparently wasn't working and then i had christmas lights and then also <laughs> a um i had a heat lamp and when i went to uncover it yesterday the heat lamp had exploded at some point oh wow so, and i yeah. don't it must have been after we were down to eight degrees because yeah. I, I can't imagine it would have made it if it if it yeah. gotten that cold in uh, there yeah. Oh, at this point, um, I, I don't mean to be a pessimist, but you're probably going to have some damage show up over the next week. The main thing that you need to do with citrus is watch the base of the plant because the trifoliate orange, sour orange that most citrus is grafted onto is much more cold hardy. And there is going to be a lot of people who didn't do all the things that Kim did. A lot of people are going to find out that the top of their citrus froze completely. And when that rootstock sprouts, out they're going to think oh the plant's coming back but it's not going to be a Meyer lemon or a Mexican lime or whatever it's going to be a nasty thorny rootstock and uh, mm-hmm. uh, so you want to watch carefully and anything that comes out below the graft point cut it off immediately because you want those roots pushing their their sugars and things up into the top of the plant rather than trying to make little lateral buds sprout and keep the pruning shears put away for now because uh, uh, that lemon suffered at least some damage and it's going to need every green leaf it has to uh, come back out and uh, hopefully bloom and make more lemons this year we'll see about that we'll see how badly the buds were frozen but um, yeah don't get carried away with the pruning shears except on things that might come out from the rootstock okay all right and go ahead and fertilize it because absolutely absolutely okay. fertilize it i'd um in the ground i tell you what if it were me if it were my lemon tree and i can't grow lemons in bernie we're way too cold up there but if it were my tree i would put on some good dry long acting fertilizer like medina's growing green or nature's creations premium long food just a good organic granular fertilizer but knowing that it's going to take a little while for the plant to really start using that 
after I put my granular fertilizer on, I give at least one or two fertilizings with a good liquid like the Hester Grow plant or the new fish formula. So uh, that, those those trees are hungry. So I'd, I'd give it, you know, I'd give it some steak, but I'd also give it a little liquid nutrition as well. All right. Great. Thank you so much. You are certainly welcome, Kim. Good job on protecting it, by the way. <laughs> Time for a new heat lamp, but uh, but but well, you know you you could probably trade them. Yeah, the go ahead. Kept power, so yeah. If the power had gone out, I knew it was going to be a goner. <laughs> Man, I tell you, it, it this was a real learning experience. Uh, you know, how things happen across different areas. I have so much praise for my electric company, Bandera Electric, because, uh, you know, they uh, uh, did did true rolling blackouts. They were cutting off my power about eight times a day, but only for 20 minutes. And then it would be back up and working before things really had a chance to uh you know, to to go bad. Uh, these idiots in San Antonio and a few of the other rural electric co-ops, they were cutting off people's power for three hours to 18 hours at a time, and that allowed a lot of damage to happen. So I'm so glad you kept power. And, uh, you know, those lemons probably going to be pretty valuable. You probably have some good bartering tool there if they come out and give you good crop this year because you're way ahead of most people. All right. Well, thank you so much. You're sure welcome. Right. You're sure welcome, Kim. Thank you. Goodbye. All right, uh, Glenn, we'll get to you in just a second. I'm going to talk to you about Phoenix Nursery. Phoenix reopened yesterday. You know, virtually all the nurseries in town closed during the week of the severe, severe cold, number one, because uh, you could hardly get thing get in the greenhouses, and number two, because it wasn't safe to get around for their employees or for you. But Phoenix is wide open now. They got all the things that you're really looking for, like their uh, citrus and avocados and things. Things got into the greenhouse. Uh, they are well stocked on tomato plants and pepper plants if you're planning to get an early start on your spring garden. And of course, they have all the mulches, they have all the compost, they have all the organic fertilizers that we're talking about. And, uh, you know, maybe, maybe you think, I need to treat myself to something. Well, two things you could treat yourself to. Some of that Ego lithium ion battery powered uh, equipment, outdoor equipment, because that's going to make your cleanup a whole lot easier. And maybe you could reward yourself with one of their Traeger pellet grills and uh and just you know celebrate the arrival of spring and a whenever it comes uh you know with a good outdoor party uh, fanix just has lots of good things and of course the best advice around because uh, that family's been in the business for over 80 years right there in the same spot on home green road it's fanix nursery and garden center check them out online if you like it fanic f-a-n-i-c-k fanic nursery.com South Texas Gardening with Bob Webster. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. All right, back to gardening. It's going to be Glenn and Judy and Bob and Lloyd, and Glenn is up first. Good morning, Glenn. Good morning, sir. Uh, Question. I've been afraid to go look at my garden. I've got a a row uh, of multiplying onions that I forgot to completely cover. Um, Are they gone? Uh, where do you live? Uh, Crossroads Mall. You know, you're going to have to just look and see. Multiplying onions, even if the top freezes, they will probably come back out without any problem. Um, I, 
you know, my row, and I, these are not multiplying onions, my regular onions, the ones that I got covered, they look fine. And of course, I'm west of Bernie, so I'm, you know, colder than you were. But, um, the ones that were out in the open, those tops are completely frozen and gone. So I, I'm not going to give up on them, uh, regardless of what you see. But I suspect if they were covered, uh, you're going to be just fine. They're just going to pick up growing where they left off. Anything that looks just almost translucent, where the foliage just really really froze go ahead and trim it off but even your multiplying onions should come back out what about pomegranates pomegranates should be totally unhurt how about uh crepe myrtles um it would be rare to have damage on crepe myrtles but i'm not going to say impossible uh you know i think back to uh when this happened back in 1983 we did not have any damage to speak of at all on crepe myrtles but when i was talking to my friend howard garrett up in dallas yesterday uh they went down to zero a little bit below back in 83 he said they had damage so um i you know some of the little bitty miniatures new orleans world's fair some of those i think those may have gotten some damage but your bigger bigger ones i would be very surprised go out and look carefully at the trunk of your crepe myrtles uh if you see big splits then they're going to be hurt uh but i i you know I, I'll, I'll go out and look at the ones in our parking lot a little later today but i, I think your crepe myrtles are going to be fine oh these crepe myrtles are about 15 16 foot tall about uh seven or eight inches around they've been in the ground quite a while yeah, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure they're going to be fine. But again, look, look down toward the base of the trunks. And as long as you don't see splits, uh, you're probably not going to see any damage whatsoever. Fantastic, sir. I appreciate your time as always. It's my pleasure. I appreciate your call as always. <laughs> Thanks, Glenn. Have, have a safe and blessed day. You do likewise. Goodbye. All right. Judy's up next. Good morning, Judy. Good morning, Bob. Good okay, morning. A couple of questions. Uh, first of all, I've got um, my xylosmas, mm-hmm. and I just pulled a leaf off. It's still soft, but it's yeah. um, kind of um, coppery looking. Yeah, xylosma is going to have a lot of foliage damage. I suspect that the plants are going to be fine, but I think we're probably going to be pruning them back maybe by as much as a third. Um, look really? again. Look, oh. yeah. Look at look at the base of the plants. As long as we're not seeing big splits, as long as we're not looking at areas where it looks like the bark is loose on the plant, uh, then your xylosmas are going to be fine. Now, uh, you know, folks way up in the hill country, Fredericksburg, uh, the xylosmas up there may not be fine. Here in San Antonio, we're probably just going to be doing... Uh, uh, giving them a bit of a haircut because the foliage, at least I'm looking at the big one next door to the nursery here, the foliage is pretty, pretty toasty on there. So, uh, we're going to be cutting them back to at least some extent, but unless you're seeing big splits, uh, you know, in the trunk, then I think, uh, I think you're going to be fine. So just if, kind of let them go for a while. Uh, yeah, I'd let them, I'd weeks. let them go. You know, you can give them a little haircut to make them look a little nicer because you're probably going to want to do that anyway because no, that foliage. Fine. I mean, they look fine. They're just different color. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah, I'd leave them for a couple of weeks and then if you have any more questions, give me a call. If you see that there are splits in the bottom of the trunk, though, <clears throat> then we need to do a couple of additional things. We need to, uh, 
Uh, you can actually you can go to Howard Garrett's website, or if you've got a good memory, uh, what you do is you make a, a slurry using uh, diatomaceous earth, rock phosphate, and compost. You kind of mix that up almost like a gruel and uh, just slather it on anywhere you see big splits in the bark and wrap it up with you know plastic wrap or anything else. And um, you don't want to put that off. Uh, that, that will be a life-saving thing uh, for more. Okay, rock phosphate. Rock phosphate, diatomaceous earth, earth, and compost. And compost. Okay, got, got all that. Okay. Roughly equal parts, and just okay. uh, mix it up and add enough moisture to make, uh, oh, like I say, like a gruel, something that you could slather onto the wounds. Uh-huh. And uh, that, you know, that is uh, has turned out to be a, a lifesaver for uh, trees that get girdled by weed eaters or porcupines or things like that. And uh, I think that that on the plants where we may have had severe damage, principally pittosporum and some of the viburnums and maybe loquats, if we get to them early, fill the splits with that and wrap them up, I, many times I think those plants will survive. Uh, otherwise, it may be a little bit iffy. I don't think your tylosmas are hurt that badly, but uh, I, it just, you know, it's, it's like the guy who's sitting there in shock after some dummy read into him. You want to check and be sure he's okay rather than just assuming that everything's all right. Okay, well, I'll check him. Now, I have a, or had, <laughs> not sure yet, a um, <laughs> split leaf pisporum, I guess, in my front flower bed. How about philodendron? Philodendron, yeah. Uh, okay. And, um, I, I mean, I double covered it with um, insulate. And I took the cover off yesterday, and it's just like over. And so I put it, uh, about a gallon of um, has to grow and the um, whatever the B vitamin thingy is. Yeah, Super Thrive. Uh, super Thrive on it. And then I thought I would just leave it. I mean, should I trim those falling over branches? Because they're you, probably going to turn to mush. Yeah, you, you might as well trim them, but uh, your, your siloam is going to be fine. Um, you know, once again, thinking back, I've been through this once before. It was a year mm-hmm. we opened the nursery, and believe me, it was quite a rough start. Yep. And um, <clears throat> even the unprotected slowums uh, came back out. The ones that were two feet tall were suddenly two inches tall. But uh, the fact that you covered yours, uh, other than the foliage, I think your damage is going to be minimal. So okay. yeah, c- cut off the leaves just for appearance sake, but uh, you're you're going to be way ahead of lots of people. Okay, two two others, Sabal palm. Um, I'm looking at it right now, and I'm not sure. I'm going to give it time. I'm not, it looks like a lot of the branches because through the week it was going, the branches were going up and down and up and down. Yep. <clears throat> you know, with the ice and everything. And uh, but they look like they're all turning brown. Is there anything I can do? Should I fertilize it? Um, at this point, at this point, wait and see. Now, is yours a little dwarf sabal that makes multiple no. trunks, or it's a taller one? No, it's a taller <laughs> one. Yeah. Okay. It's probably going to be fine. Sabal is one of our native palms. It's one of the hardiest palms out there. It's what grows all over the place in Palmetto State Park. Now, Washingtonia palms, uh, some of them are dead. Uh, the so-called queen palms, the cocos, they're definitely dead. But sabals, I'm going to give you at least an 80% chance. And unfortunately, palms, with the exception of the dwarf sabal and the Mediterranean fan palms, they can come out from the base. But you're up 
upright Sabals, your Rush Antonias, your uh, Windmill Palms, things like that, the only part of that palm that is capable of regrowing is all the way up in the very top of the palm. So don't worry about what all the old foliage looks like. And if it looks real bad, just snip it off. But watch that, that uppermost point on the palm and... If you see green come out and continue to grow, uh, then your palm is totally out there, of trouble. Yeah. There and, were some uh, two new ones coming out, and they got frozen. But, yeah. it, you know, that palm got nailed with the last snow a couple of years ago. The branches yeah. all just sagged down. Okay, one yeah. other question. I Not that I love this stuff, but I have um, the thornless cactus, and it's all fallen over. Yeah. Should I just... What should I do? The the part of it, the part of it that has fallen over, just lop it off and throw it in the compost pile. Okay. But um, that's that's one of the uh, thorn, so-called thornless apuntia, although it may have little bitty spines called glochidia. Yeah, they still get you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, big time. Only way to get them out is with some sticky tape. But right. that's a whole other story. But <clears throat> virtually all of those will come out from the base. Uh, but that top that's gotten soft and fallen over, that might go into the compost pile. <laughs> okay. Okay. And of course, then I've got you know shrimp plants that are going to have to be cut back, and um, lantanas. They hey, all got can- it. Cancel God, your gym. So pretty too. Yeah. Huh? Cancel your gym membership. You're going to get your workout well, in the yard. Here. So, I know. but I, but <laughs> you're, you're going to get these muscles in my arms. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Your your shrimp plants are going to come back out without any problem. Uh, lantana and plumbago that are mulched are going to come back without any problem. Unmulched ones, some of them will, some of them won't. But um, uh, there's no... There's no advantage to leaving the dead foliage and all on them. So plumbagos, shrimp plants, the soft uh, salvias, lantanas, um, you know, things like that. Uh, yeah. I'd go to work on cutting them back and all that. yeah, yeah, cut uh, cut back. And the Turks cap probably don't have to go quite as low because those woody stems, you know, I'd, I'd cut them down to maybe six or eight inches. But most everything else, cut them down to the level of the mulch and put it in the compost pile because uh, that portion of them is wow, not coming back. Okay. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm so really appreciated. I'm so glad to have you. <laughs> well, really I'm glad to be here for you, Judy. I'm not going to come do the work for you, but for days. Thinking, oh, God. <laughs> well, yes, we were. All of us were doing that, and uh, uh, you know, just we're good again. We're alive. Our pets are fine. Yeah. We've got a lot to be thankful for. Plants can be replaced, and unfortunately, there a bunch of them are going to have to be replaced. But on the other hand, uh, a large number of them, in fact, probably the majority of them, uh, the damage is just cosmetic. So if you come up with any others that you have specific questions about, you give me a call. I'll always be here for you. Thank you so much. You're welcome, Judy. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Bye-bye. Goodbye. All right, let me get my break out of the way, and then it'll be Bob and Lloyd, and we'll keep going from there. I get to talk about Southwest Metal Roofing Systems. i tell you what, if you have a Southwest Metal Roofing Systems roof on your home, you know, you don't have to worry about freeze damage or anything like that. If you've got a shingle roof on your home, oh, man, this could be as bad as a hailstorm. I was listening to Martin and Jim on KTSA yesterday talking about all the potential damage and, you know, that particle board they put underneath and all those things. 
you know, you just get yourself a Southwest Metal Roofing System and you stop worrying. Ours here on Shades of Green took baseball-sized hail, no damage. Mine up in the hill country had a near hit from a tornado a few years ago, no damage. You know, they just simply, it's not just that they have the best metal in the world, because they do, but uh, it's also the workmanship. The way they install their roofs, I mean, far, far exceeds building codes, and that's why they, well, they can truly give you the the best guarantee in the industry because they put on a lifetime quality roof. Now, yes, I have to say we did have to call them last year, but it's because some big body or some big person backed a big truck into our roof, and it. <laughs> so even a Southwest Metal Roofing System won't stand up to a truck running into it. But uh, it'll take anything Mother Nature throws at it. Whether you're replacing an old roof, whether you're building a new home, and want the only roof you'll ever have to put on your home, you just need to give them a call. Two ten eight two two six. 6868. That's 210-822-6868 for Southwest Metal Roofing Systems. South Texas Gardening with Bob Webster is on the air. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Hey, somebody tell those clouds to go away. We need another day of sunshine here to keep warming up from this. Supposed to be a pretty warm day, though. Supposed to be a pretty nice day. And uh, if you're a gardener, you're probably going to spend some time out in it. Uh, uh, next up's a man with a good name, and then it'll be Barbara and Kevin and Ken. But Bob is up first. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Bob. Good morning. I told you last week about a uh, Myers lemon that I had. Yes, sir. <laughs> and we got it wrapped up. And I put one of the uh, one of the insulated tubes that you put around your pipe around the base of it. Yes, sir. And it's it's got a real bad case of the droopsies right now. <laughs> uh huh. <clears throat> the leaves. Well, yeah. Um, you are ahead of a lot of people. Um, it's hard to say how much of the top is frozen. Undoubtedly, some of it has. I mean, you don't get to six or eight degrees without having some damage unless you've got things in a greenhouse. I'm sure the trunk is, is, has survived being wrapped like that. So at this point, um, I don't do anything except keep an eye on it probably for the next week or two. If you see any growth coming out below the graft point, cut it off immediately because we've got to have those roots pumping nutrient and water and things into the top of the tree to keep it going and um even if you even if a substantial portion of the top is frozen it should come back out but uh drooping a little bit i have to say that you know virtually every citrus in san antonio is and even the ones that where the leaves look pretty good some of those are going to lose some leaves anyway but at this point i mean if you want to spray it with a little super thrive probably wouldn't water it unless the soil is just really dry underneath it but uh at this point just we're gonna have to sit back and watch for a few days and figure out what if what more if anything we need to do okay on that super thrive should i do the foliage or should i do just at the base of it oh no no do the foliage yeah do the foliage and do the trunk mix it up you know maybe a little stronger if you've got a quart sprayer i'd go ahead and put a teaspoon of it in there and just spray just spray the leaves and trunk with it and um uh that will do more than anything else you can do and um if you need to we'll talk again next week i think by next saturday or sunday we're going to have a pretty good idea of how badly things are hurt but right now it's too soon after the freeze to really make a definitive judgment on that uh, things are looking good for you though if your leaves are still green even if they're droopy um that's a good sign 
Well, they're definitely not as dark green as they were before everything happened, but they are still green. Well, I I would rather see them lighter green than dark green because uh, a lot of plants, when they freeze, that foliage gets the just almost a black green to it, and that's just before it turns to mush. So having it a little bit lighter green, if anything, that's a good sign. Okay, my other question is, I had my onions covered. I got them in raised pots, and they're, the pots are probably about a foot and a half across by about two foot deep. Yes, and, sir. And uh, they all seem to have a bad case of the droopsies also. I can see a few of them starting to stand up a little bit with the sun. Should okay. I water them or give them a little of that Super Thrive also? little super thrive would be fine don't water until that soil's good and dry on the surface last thing we want to do is keep things too wet right now but if your if your onions are green they're probably going to be just fine and even if they don't stand back up they can lie there with that foliage hanging sideways and still make a really nice onion the ones that are in trouble they are almost translucent they're sort of a sickly whitish tan color and those things are, they're probably gone. But if yours are green foliage, even if they're leaning over, you're, you're gonna do just fine. I got some doing the summer green and some ain't, so I guess we'll be picking through them here in a little bit. <laughs> well, and how long have they been in? Uh, they've been in probably for about two weeks, three weeks. Oh, okay. I was going to say, if they've been in for a couple of months, uh, those that have the really bad tops on them, you could probably, you know, fry up some good green onions on the grill this afternoon. But a couple of weeks, uh, probably not. But uh, uh, anything that's just real, like I say, if it just is that kind of kind of beige, tan, white, you know, soft, slimy-looking stuff, those are probably gone. The ones that are green, they're going to come along and do just fine for you. All right, sir, I thank you. Well, I thank you. You get out and have a good Sunday. All right, uh, 31 seconds here until uh, it's going to be news time. So, Barbara, Kevin, and Ken, you guys will be up right after the news. Uh, Don't be in a rush to water out there, everybody. The snow actually put a pretty good amount of moisture into the ground. Now, pots and things that you brought inside, yes, give those things a good drink. Anything where the soil is really dry on the surface, it's warm enough now. Go ahead and give them a good drink. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about so much more when we come back from this newscast right here on KTSA Radio, San Antonio, Texas. South Texas Gardening with Bob Webster is on the air. Talk to Bob now. 210-599-5555. All right. Back to gardening. It looks like it is going to be Barbara and Kevin and Ken and Christy. And Barbara is up first. Good morning, Barbara. Hi there. Um, Good morning. Can you hear me okay? Just fine. Great. Okay, so I have four satsuma trees that Uh are old. Um, One of them is probably 30 years old. It's kind of short. Looks like a Japanese bonsai. But the other two big ones are probably 10 feet tall and easily 8 feet wide. And I went and I bought 75 feet of insulate, new insulate, Mm -hmm. cut it in half, safety pinned it all together so that I have 24 feet across, you know, covered them all, safety pinned them all together down in rocks. I mean, I had it covered and I put four strands of Christmas tree lights, the old big ones, and a little, and a little heater into there. Uh huh. And I was doing great for the first couple of days. Of course, it made kind of an icy igloo, which is good insulation. Amen. I was doing great until I ran out of power for 18 hours plus in a row. 
Yep. So I went under there to look, and my leaves are kind of rolled and curled, but it looks to me like my trunks and my major things, major uh, limbs are still greened. Mm-hmm. I didn't see any split trunks. <laughs> so a couple of questions from my husband. Do we leave the insulate on for the time being because it's getting sun filtered? And should we water under there? Because they are you, were covered as opposed to the rest of the ground that, of course, got rain and snow. Uh, are you in the San Antonio area? Where are you? Yes. North San, North San Antonio, just south of 1604. And it was you know, like 18 <laughs> degrees out there. I mean, it was, it was oh, cold. You, yeah, you got a lot colder than that. Um, I would take the insulate off because I don't think we're going to need it again this year. We could easily get another frost. But Satsumas are cold-hardy down to 20 degrees, even you know, without any protection whatsoever. Um, but I'm afraid lots of San Antonio is closer to 8 degrees than it was to 18. And keep monitoring those trunks. As long as you're not seeing splits in the trunk, um, I think you have nothing at all to worry about. I think those trees are going to be just fine. Howard Garrett was uh, was suggesting something interesting yesterday. He was saying, if you see an area and you can't tell whether it's split or not, tap on it lightly with the blunt end of a screwdriver or something like that. If it sounds hollow, if it sounds like, you know, the bark is separated from the woody part, the xylem and all underneath it, uh, then we may need to think about slathering a little bit of tree goop on it. And that would certainly be the case if we were talking about big Myers lemons or limes. But Satsumas are pretty darn hardy to start with. And with the efforts you went to, Barbara, I would expect that yours are going to be pretty much totally undamaged. But were they mine, I would, I would pull the insulate off. I would not, you know, I would not lock it away where you can't get back to it because as we've certainly discovered this week, anything is possible with, uh, Texas weather. But keep in mind that even if they predicted temperatures as low as, let's say, 23, 24, I would not think you would have to worry about recovering those satsumas. They are that hardy. So I get them off so they get maximum sunlight. Uh, feel that soil. If it is dry right underneath the trees, yeah, go ahead and give them a good soaking. And uh, uh, just don't put away your, your juicer because I think you're probably going to be doing pretty well this year. Okay, thank you. You're sure welcome. Congratulations on doing a good job on it. You did. Okay, let's uh, move along. Kevin will be up next. Good morning, Kevin. Uh, good morning, Bob. Thanks for taking good. my call. Thank you for calling. Hey, uh, I wanted to get with you. I've got a, I've got a uh, rock wall that's about five feet high and about mm-hmm. forty feet long, and uh, up on top is is a garden bed. But down below, I had rosemary going over the side, um, all the way down to the street, um, and it was beautiful. But it's all gone, and I wanted to know: Do you think it's you know, dead completely where I need to dig the roots and all up, or do you think? It's too early to tell. It is too early to tell. Unfortunately, there's going to be, and and this is what we call prostrate or spreading rosemary, and um, we're going to see some dead rosemary around. The upright form, um, you know, which can grow five, six feet tall, it is much more cold-hardy, and I doubt that it was damaged at all. But some of the prostrate is will have uh, will have been damaged. So um, at this point, I, I wouldn't do anything. I wouldn't do anything for a couple of weeks. 
Um, look, you know, kind of spread it with your hands if you can. Look down toward the base of those trunks where they come out of the ground. If you see big splits in those, it's probably going to be time for new rosemary. If it looks solid, um, then you're going to have some cosmetic damage, but it will certainly come back out here probably in a month or so when it resumes its spring growth. So look, looking for splits in the lower part of the trunk, that's going to tell you uh, done for or probably going to come out again. Super wonderful. If if I do have some that is damaged like that needs to be taken out of there, how soon can that be replaced? Mm, as soon as you get the old stuff out, provided you can find new ones. Now, you know, we in the nursery business, uh, we've got we've got lots of questions, and uh, I know uh, uh, one of our managers talked to one of our suppliers on vegetables, and they said, "Yeah, we spent ten thousand dollars protecting things, but we're going to have all the vegetables you need next week." I'm not sure that all the nurseries were either so willing or so able to protect. So. Um, uh, we're just going to have to wait and see what uh, what we as uh, as providers can get in stock for you. But um, uh, there's no reason to wait if you feel their stuff needs to be replanted. Soon as you can find rosemary, go ahead and replant it. I mean, we, we've got stuff for with stuff for a week or two because we took everything in the nursery in the greenhouse. But uh, this is going to be one of those challenging years where there are going to be a lot of people replacing things and uh, probably not enough merchandise to go. Around. Around. So do your do your look over pretty carefully, and if you feel like you're going to need to uh, um, get some replacement plants, you know, be sure who you're buying from. Ask them if they move their plants inside, because you don't want to buy plants that are badly freeze damaged. But if you can find good plants, uh, it certainly wouldn't hurt to pick up two or three of them. Super, super. I appreciate you taking the call. Have a great day. It is always a pleasure, and thank you, sir. <laughs> Goodbye. All right, let's go ahead and take one more. Uh, Ken would be up next. Good morning, Ken. Yes, good morning, Bob. Uh, got morning, one sir. Questions answered uh, on the onions, so I have a okay. mix of the ones that are green and some that look that poor ashy white looking yeah. droopiness. So, do you happen to have onion plants in the in the nursery? Um, we have a few. I would tell you, call back at ten o'clock. I'd do it, but I'm not in a position that I can. But call back at ten o'clock and ask for. Wendy or Donna or, or Courtney or whoever, and uh, ask them to set some aside. I looked this morning, because I'll be honest, I, I grabbed one bunch of them and put them aside for me. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, there were, um, this morning at 8 o'clock, there were still some 1015s and still some white onions. They're not absolutely beautiful, but uh, I think they're good onions, and uh, I might run by and take a look at them. So um, the, my curly Parsley uh, is like drooping. Is, is that cold hardy down to like ten? Um, cold hardy to probably eighteen. If it is still bright green and if it's not flat on the uh, not flat on the ground, is probably fine. But um, if it's if it gets that real dark dark, you know, just deep black green look to it, uh, it's going to be time for some new parsley. It's gone. I had covered my uh, avocado tree, which has been in the ground about three years, and it has the rough bark already. It's Uh about six years. It's either a Mexicola or a holiday. The leaves Uh look really sad right now. Um, At what point will I know if it's survived? Uh, If new foliage comes out? Yeah. 
Yeah, and that may be six weeks from now, but that insulate is amazing stuff. Uh, we got pictures. Somebody from Fair Oaks sent us a picture where they ran out of insulate. They had covered Viburnum suspensum, and the one that was covered, I mean, you can't see a damaged leaf on it. It is perfectly just perfect looking the one two feet away from it that didn't have the insulate over it is uh brown and toasty so um yeah your things that you've covered for the most part are going to be fine yeah well i covered that tree with what i had left over after i used the insulate on (laughs) (laughs) i know the feeling yeah so uh, one last question a friend gave me uh uh a uh, grape, uh, bare root thing to plant. Uh, it's, uh-huh. it's a seedless marquee and it's called Vitis Labrosca. Is that something yeah. that's for this area? Not really. Um, we so. don't have a good seedless grape for this area. I mean, plant it and, you know, cross your fingers. Um, the problem is not that grapes won't grow in this area, but there is a uh, normally fatal disease called uh, Pierce's disease. Is the main reason that more grope, grapes are not grown across Texas, because once you get this stuff um, started in a vineyard, very, very hard to stop. Uh, there are some resistant varieties like Champanel and Lenoir and some of the others, but your, your seedless grapes... Uh, I'm not aware of any that are really super resistant now, and I've never had a seedless grape live more than three or four years. But, hey, you've got it. Plant it. Stay organic with it. And uh, you may just be on your way to having the first San Antonio vineyard. Right. Is that a uh, virus or a bacteria, that disease? It's it's a bacterial disease. Okay. I believe. I'll have to go back and look that up, but I'm pretty sure it's bacterial. Okay. All right. Well, that uh, I'm covered on everything else. Uh, well, you call me back if you think of anything else, Ken. That's what I'm here for. Thanks, Bob. Thank you, sir. Goodbye. All right, Christy, you hang on for a second because I need to get a quick break out of the way here. And once again, get to talk to you about the Tank Depot. And uh, <laughs> look at the bright side of things. Maybe you had something growing out there and you said, well, I don't have, I'd love to put a water storage tank there, but, uh, but there's just no room for it. Well, maybe that something is gone now, like a Washingtonia palm or something. Uh, maybe it is time to think about putting some rainwater catchment in or, you know, stop and think about it. If you had a big, clean water tank, you'd have all the water you need, even when the rest of San Antonio is boiling their water or totally has their water shut off. There are so many reasons that water catchment is a good idea. Now, if you really want to use this drinking water, you're going to have to go a little further. You're going to need to put a UV filter on there, but that's very, very doable. Have lots of friends up in the Hill Country. Matter of fact, our groundwater district office. If you want to see how things work, we put in a rainwater catchment system up there and brought it up to drinking water standards, and you can run by any time the office is open and go see exactly how it's done. We've also got some good hand it's available there to give you on how to do it. But when it comes to tanks, we're just going to send you over to Tank Depot because they've got the biggest assortment of tanks of anywhere around. Excellent quality, very good prices, and they can deliver. If it's a big tank, not everybody has a cattle trailer or even bigger, and they'll happily deliver for you. You know, they have the accessories you need to, the first flush filters and even on-demand pumps and things. Tank Depot are your pros when it comes to water catchment. Of course, they also have tanks for chemical storage tanks, transfer tanks, open-top tanks, bait tanks. If it's a tank, 
Check it out. You'll probably find it at the Tank Depot. Check them out today if you like it. Tank-Depot, D-E-P-O-T, tank-depot.com. Weekdays, call them first, but you can always go see them. Their sales yard is over on Southeast Loop 410, just south of Rigsby Avenue. South Texas Gardening with Bob Webster. News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. All right, back to gardening. Looks like it's going to be Christy, and then Frank, and then Roy, and then Beverly. And Christy is up first. Good morning, Christy. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well this morning. How about you? Oh, interesting week. So we're on our way to Mason to check out the bare root fruit plants I planted. Uh, see well, what's happening with them. Are, are trees that you planted? Yeah. Um, yeah. Cherry, apple, and peach. Yeah, cherries just generally don't do well here in any conditions, but uh, I suspect you're going to find that your apples and peach are going to be just fine. Uh, those are one things that I would go ahead and give them a good thorough watering. Look down toward the graft point, and uh, as long as you don't see big splits in the trunk, um, they're pretty hardy trees, so I think you're going to be pretty, pretty good there. Um, good luck on the cherries. If you find a cherry that'll grow here, you know, I'm going to plant about 20 of them because that's one of my favorite things. Yeah, I think I've tried every cherry variety that's come out and they said should work in South Texas and none of them have. Uh, That's edible cherries. We actually have a native cherry that uh, does very well and I, I wish somebody would do some experiments and see if they could graft some of the others onto it, but Nobody has yet. But anyway, I, I, I imagine that peaches, plums, apples, uh, pears, I think you're going to find those will probably come through pretty well. Uh, but uh, we'll see about the cherries. Okay, closer to home, Colode. I'm yeah. sorry, I do not know the name. My beautiful seven-foot cactus that has the one spike at the end. Okay. At the tip of it, I mean, it grows really huge. And uh-huh. fans out, they're all knocked over. Um, okay. We tried to cover them. The wind blew the covering into the street. Are they yeah. gone? Um, they may come out from the base. Anything that is soft, anything that feels soft and mushy, you might as well go ahead and cut it off. Uh, if you get down to a point where the flesh on it still feels firm, cut about an inch down into that. And, um, okay. Yeah. Uh, and you just want to get rid of any of that rotten stuff because it can get some, you know, bacterial problems and things started in it that can then spread into the good tissue. So we want to cut things down to the good tissue. Uh, not knowing exactly what it is, I'm going to tell you, and again, I don't know how weird this sounds, but dust it heavily with the cinnamon. Cinnamon is cinnamon, one of the yeah, best. I heard that this morning. Yeah, it's one of the best bactericides we have, and that's what we worry about with fleshy plants that have suffered freeze damage. Uh, so if you get down to some solid tissue, just a good coating of cinnamon, and um, hopefully it will come back out. I'm afraid on a lot of these things we're just going to have to wait and see. Do I cinnamon it after I trim it? Yeah, yeah. Do your do your trimming first. And uh, and only cut away anything that really feels soft and mushy. If you find no soft and mushy, then don't worry about it. But that part that is kind of bent over, that's kind of keeled over yeah. to the side, I guess that's where the old uh, adage about keeling over came from. <laughs> but you yeah, probably are going to need to you're going to need to cut that off, and then that that exposed tissue right there is what you're going to want to coat with cinnamon. Okay. 
Christy, you might have just lost your phone. Can you still hear me? Okay. Okay. Okay, you're back. Uh, go ahead. You, yeah. you cut out there for a minute. Okay. Yeah, no, we're like I said, we're heading up to Mason. No, thank you so much, and I'll give it a try. And give me a report, too. Let me know what you find. I sure will. I'll take some pictures. <laughs> Sounds good, Christy. Appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Bye-bye. And be safe. Okay, and let's move along to Frank next. Good morning, Frank. How's it going, Bob? So far, so good. First day in a while, I haven't had to put on long johns before I headed in. So uh, things are things are on the on the mend. I've got the sharks on myself sitting over here on the tailgate. <laughs> well, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not bare legged yet because it's pretty chilly in the office. And you know, when you're tied to this uh, microphone cable and headphones, you can't move around and keep warm. So you enjoy the short pants. Hopefully, I'll be back there in the next day or two. Yes, sir, man. I tell you, that was something else, wasn't it? That was an episode from some kind of movie that we hadn't seen in a long time. Since and, 1983 and even beyond yeah, that. We've never never seen weather since we've, you know, been had weather records. We've never seen this kind of weather in February. We've seen that kind of weather yeah. early January a time or two, but even then, not for 35 years. So uh, it was an event. It's one to, It's one for the record books and certainly hope we won't see it again. No kidding. I was in high school in 1983, and so that's a long time ago. Uh, <laughs> yeah, we just opened our nursery. So uh, anyway, bring back global warming. <laughs> I don't know. Just leave Al Gore out of it. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Well, what can I help you with today? I've got uh, several roses. I mean, like 35, 40 uh, roses, a uh, combination of knockouts and some pioneers from Mike Shoup's place up there yeah. in Independence, and yeah, uh, the one, the one that's really giving me a concern by the way it's looking is my Belinda's dream, and it's on the north side of the house. And, and the foliage looks I terrible. It looks horrible. Looks horrible. And, well, remember, uh, remember, Frank, that in in areas with colder weather, roses uh, lose all their leaves in the winter months. And I have zero concern about frozen foliage on roses. What you need to look at is look at the stems, look at the tissue. If it looks uh, smooth and firm, no worries whatsoever. If it looks like it's shriveling, if it looks like it's puckering up, then we've got some bad freeze damage going on. And I don't know what to think about knockouts. Knockouts had not been released back the last time we had weather like right. this. I but thinking, uh, that was yeah, because we haven't dealt with them before in any kind of situation like this. Yep. But I but, guess but, I'll find out. I'll have a bunch yeah. of holes dug. Well, I, I think you're going to find, I mean, my Pioneer Roses from uh, Mike look good this morning. Look good actually yesterday afternoon, very dark when I left this morning. But uh, I think the Pioneers are going to be fine. I think uh, most of your standard roses are going to be fine. Miniatures and knockouts are the two that I'm concerned about. And, um, you know, I'll probably go on a walk this afternoon around the neighborhood and see what I can find. But look at the look at the bark or what passes for bark. Look at the surface covering on the stems of your roses. If it's smooth and green, just you know, let that all that old foliage fall off. Uh, go ahead and do your any pruning that you would normally do this time of year. Of course, you don't prune climbers till after they bloom. But bush roses, uh, get them pruned if they need to be pruned. But um, I'm I'm very optimistic and hopeful that uh that you're going to have a lot less damage than you think you are all right well i'll just put uh some liquid fertilizer on some of them and 
do what I have to do. And uh, just an FYI for your listeners out there, there yeah. was no no damage was done to any fire ants, from what I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> or fleas, or yeah, I just laugh when people say we need a really cold winter to kill all the pests. Well, yeah, good luck on that. But thankfully, I don't think any damage was done to the harvester ants and the good guys out there. But uh, no, the uh, I, I'm afraid the porcupines didn't freeze, and you know the, the the bad guys always seem to come through, and the good guys sometimes take it on the chin. But <laughs> anyway, you let me know uh, how your roses look in a week or so. I look forward to hearing from you. I will, man. Take care. You too, Frank. Thank you, sir. <laughs> Goodbye. All right. Uh, let's talk to Roy. Good morning, Roy. You're with us, Roy. Good morning. Hello, Roy. Yes, sir. Good morning, sir. Good morning. In spite of all this bad weather we had, uh, 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 at my age, every day is pretty. <laughs> <laughs> I am with you a hundred percent, and I I'm probably not up to your age, but I'm just I'm just thankful every day the sun comes up. I, I was born one year after World War II ended, so yes, sir. It's pretty. Yes, sir. I, I, I like to do a uh, uh, yard work. I enjoy doing yard work in my house, but I also uh-huh. enjoy the, the beauty the beauty of flowers uh, this coming uh, season. Uh, uh-huh. My question is: uh, A month ago, I called you about some, the, the, uh, some bulbs, and you said that uh, there was no, not going to be any shipment this year. But by chance, I found a, a place where, where they, they they have them. And and uh, and my question is: uh, Well, last year I planted them in October, November, according to the directions. But this year, I, I want to go get them and and plant them here in March. Well, will they bloom somewhere like in? I don't know, August, September? Now, remind me what kind of bulbs we're talking about. Uh, Eve, I, 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 I don't have them on hand right now. It, it was, uh, I have to run outside, but they're bulbs that were pretty. I okay. have to run outside. To well, you don't, you don't, don't do that. If they are things like crinum lilies, if they are things like canna lilies, uh, those things are all just fine to plant now, and they will bloom later. Um, if they are things like daffodils and narcissus and tulips and things like that, it's awfully late to be planting those. I mean, you've got nothing to lose if you want to plant them, but those are things we almost have to plant in the fall to have any hopes of their coming back year after year. But if they are warm weather bulbs, um, then you should be just fine to plant them as soon as you get them. I have here a ran- ranchulus, uh, freesia. Oh, ranunculus. Ranunculus. Yeah, plant them today. Yeah, plant them today. They will bloom for you this spring. Uh, the blooms probably just won't be as long-lasting because we'll be into warmer weather. But, yeah, ranunculus, anemones, freesias, yeah, you better get them. But crocus, yeah. Yeah, plant them absolutely as soon as you can. Plant them, plant them this okay. afternoon. You'll get some blooms this spring. Things like crocus will probably come back for several years. Ranunculus are more of an annual. Uh, anemones may or may not come back, but, uh, they won't, they won't last in the sack. So get them planted, uh, with your, uh, 
with your ranunculus and anemones especially, plant them, water them very thoroughly, and then don't water them again until they come up. Because those okay. bulbs, they're more of sort of a root mass than a true bulb, and uh, it's so easy to keep them too wet. But on your dry bulbs like ranunculus and anemones, plant them today, water thoroughly, and then don't water again until you start seeing green foliage. Okay, that's, that's fine. All right, then. thank you very much. Thank you very much. Good luck with it. Thank you, sir. Appreciate it, Roy. Goodbye. All right. I uh, got to get a quick break out of the way here. Beverly and Mary, my next two callers. I get to talk to you about Dr. Mark Williamson. What a pleasure that is. In fact, his whole office over there, Dr. Staffel's old office. And of course, uh, Mark is the fellow. Dr. Staffel had his choice of any young dentist in the world to come and practice with him. He chose Mark Williamson for several reasons. Dr. Mark is one of the most capable, broadly trained individuals I have ever known. Also, one of the nicest guys you'll ever run into. Also a dentist who is dedicated to personal service. I mean, so many dental offices, just like so many medical offices, have gotten to be owned by big corporations where the doctor's allowed to see you for so many minutes. You're allowed so many minutes to do a cavity. And if it's anything complex, you're told to send the patient to a specialist. Well, Dr. Mark Williamson's office, there are very few problems they can't take care of right there in the office. In fact, I learned about a fellow who went in uh, to his regular dentist a while back, and he needed to have an extraction and then have a, an implant and then have a crown put on. It. His dentist was going to send him to three different specialists over about a five-month period. Guess what? Dr. Mark took care of all of it in his office in two visits. Dr. Williamson is uh, hes just one of the most kind, caring people. And, oh, Beth and all of his great staff over there, you will absolutely love it when you go to their office. You will not be rushed. You will be amazed. If you just need a cleaning and checkup, you'll be surprised how they literally take a close look at every tooth in your mouth to evaluate it and tell you what you need to do to keep it healthy for the rest of your life. The experience at Dr. Mark Williamson's office is different than anything you will experience just about anywhere else in the dental world, and I think you'll find it very, very refreshing. If you're looking for a dentist that will get to know you, will really take care of you, and will be able to take care of most any problem you have, that specialist is Dr. Mark Williamson, and you can give him a call at uh, 210 210- 341-2569. That's 210-341-2569. Dr. Williamson and Associates. South Texas Gardening with Bob Webster is on the air. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. Oh, I understand my engineer Chris is in rare form this morning. Uh, <laughs> if you sound like a, you have a good sense of humor, uh, uh, just be prepared when you call in. But don't call right this second because all the lines are taken. It's going to be Beverly and Mary and Jay and Susan. <laughs> and so anyway, uh, we'll we'll get right to the phone lines. Beverly's up first. Good morning, Beverly. Good morning. You know what? I have thirteen beautiful large. Sega palms in my yard, and they all are brown. Any hope for them maybe coming back from the root? I think there is a a pretty good hope for most of them at least. Uh, Here's what I would do. And anywhere that a frond is totally brown, you might as well go ahead and cut it off. Wear good gloves because those things are sharp and they will hurt you. Wear eye protection. But um, you may find that there are several fronds, especially down lower, where the frown is part green and part brown. Only cut off the brown part because those sagos need 
every bit of green foliage that may possibly be left uh, in order to survive and to come out again. So even if a frond, even if it looks pretty bad, only cut off the part of it that looks bad if you find if you find any green at all. Now, the other thing that's kind of strange about sagos, it seems like when they get a shock like this kind of cold, a lot of them decide that, oh, well, this is the year I'm going to bloom and reproduce. And when that happens, they go for a full year before they put on one single new frond, and that's kind of hard on them. So um, most of the sagos out there will come out, but they may be pretty slow in doing it. But the really important thing is uh, if you find any green at all when you're taking the damaged foliage off, even if it's just a third or just a fourth of the frond, be sure to leave that green foliage on. That's very important. Okay, and let's see, I see my box hedge, I guess the Japanese box hedges, they should not they be hurt like, at all. Okay, so they will, they'll be good. They and should you know, be. Okay, a question I was going to ask you, I've never heard of this, I've seen it before. Uh, you know, uh, we get rats every year in our garage, okay? Uh-huh. And this year, oh, everything that was plastic, the rats chewed into like our water bottles that we mm-hmm. had in there and i've never heard of that before well here's what's happened um and it can be real serious on cars and and things like that but many of the people that make the plastics put cornstarch in with it i did not know this till i was talking to an auto mechanic and you know you always hear about the rats getting into vehicles and chewing up the wiring and doing thousands of dollars of damage to your car's electrical system it's because especially some of the crud oh that's the nicest word i can use on the air that's made overseas uh like i say they they actually put cornstarch into the plastic and that's what the rats are going after so oh. uh, it's, um, I don't know, I hope it gives them very severe indigestion because there's some other things in there that are pretty bad. But, uh, um, I, I, you know, I too wondered for a long time because even Howard Garrett talked about having some rats get into a, I believe it was an antique car is restoring and did like $2,000 damage to the wiring. But what they were doing is eating the, uh, eating the plastic coating that had the cornstarch in it. So, uh, I hate rats, you know, they, oh, they're just uh, not, I can't think of really anything good to say about, you know, a house rat, but uh, that that's probably why they're going after your water bottles. Oh, okay, I I couldn't understand that, but I, I'm so glad that you explained that to me. Well. And, and, you know, and this year it's harder to get rid of them. You know, we put out traps, and, uh, you know, it's a lot harder to get rid of them. Have you found that, too? I have found that to be the case as well. The normal baits that I use, peanut butter and uh, bacon and things like that, they've just ignored. And uh, I haven't found a real good bait consistently yet because I do not like poisons because our pets and things can get into them. Uh, I still use the old snap traps, and uh, yeah. I've just had I've, I've had a lot of trouble. Maybe we ought to, maybe we ought to bait our traps traps with plastic water bottles what do you think uh, I, I think that's what we need to do i sure thank you for helping me it's my pleasure and beverly problem. Okay, yeah, yeah. you have a nice you day as well thank okay. you Bye-bye. Good, goodbye all right next up is mary good morning mary hi hi there um i have a question about some japanese blueberry trees that i have mm-hmm. um 
they've been in the ground maybe four years. They're pretty tall. Mm-hmm. I wasn't really worried about them, but um, they don't really look that good. They they were no. bright green, and now they're sort of ashy, brownish green. Yeah, yeah. Do I need Japanese... To- yeah, Japanese blueberry is one of those trees that when it gets this cold, it's going to suffer some damage. And uh, um, you need to look down toward the base of the trees and see if you see splits in the bark, see splits in the trunk. Um, okay. I hate to say it, but it, it at the very minimum, you're going to have a lot of the top of that tree is frozen back. I hope, mm-hmm. you know, the, the good news is that if the trunk is alive, uh, you've got the root system on a mature tree, and it can regrow a whole lot faster than it grew the first time because it's got such an extensive root network because roots weren't hurt, okay. you know. Um, yeah. But if you look down toward the base and see if you see splits in the trunk, um, if you do, uh, you can go to Howard Garrett's website and look up tree trunk goop, G-O-O-P, or I can tell you what mm-hmm. it is. It's, it's equal parts diatomaceous earth powdered rock phosphate, and compost. And you mix that up to make kind of a poultice and slather it on anywhere that you see the split bark and kind of wrap it up with some kind of plastic or something. And um, that that has helped heal things before. But Japanese blueberry is one of those trees that um, uh, it's just not as cold-hardy as your boxwood and some other things like that. So it's going to be about, it'd probably be about a month before we really know how badly hurt they are. And uh, But I can I can almost guarantee you there's at the minimum going to be a lot of foliage damage. But try to protect uh, that lower part so that at least it can come out again. Okay, and, you know, this just happened last week. So if I go out and look at the base of the tree, those cracks would already mm-hmm. be there? Or is that something that's going to Oh, no, they will already be there. The they will already okay. be there. Yep. And, and you need to, need, need to go ahead. Do I need to trim back the dead foliage? That's strictly cosmetic. Or, it'll it'll look okay. nicer if you do, but it won't help the tree in okay. any way. Okay. All right. Perfect. Thank you so much. Good luck with it. Hope everything comes out okay, Mary. It's, that blueberry is one of those things that just we didn't even have that tree in our landscape palette last time we had weather this cold, and it's one of them that I'm yeah. I'm very very much concerned about. And uh, but you know, weather's there. There's always hope. But, but let me know what you find, and I'll see if I find anything else to suggest for you. Okay, great. Thank you so much. You're certainly welcome. Thank you. Ah, uh, you better get a break in here, Jay and Susan. <laughs> Susan, sorry you had to deal with Chris this morning, but uh, anyway, shows you have a good sense of humor. But anyway, you guys will be uh, you guys will be our next two callers. But let me take a second here and talk about Rhonda's Nature's Way, where I was yesterday, as a matter of fact. Oh, just just the neatest store over there with so many good things to help you live better naturally. You know, most of life's problems, not all of them, but most of the medical concerns these days, there are natural things that will either prevent them or take care of them. There's just a lot of natural things out there that are a lot better for your body and a lot better for your pocketbook than uh, having to go to the doctor and get prescription medicine. And I don't know anyone who knows as much about human health and maintaining optimum health than Rhonda does at Rhonda's Nature's Way. I've known that lady for, what, 30 years now? And let me tell you what, uh, all of her products are absolute top quality, so much better than anything you're going to find on the shelves of the grocery store or box store. You're going to find things you're not going to 
find anywhere else and you're going to find people with the knowledge to tell you what can help you. And both locations, both north side and south side, they do the light therapies, both the beamer light therapy and red light therapy. Both of these widely accepted by the medical community. In fact, Dr. Kirby uses them in his clinic. But uh, they practice those uh, those techniques at both stores. North side store, she does reflexology. And let me tell you, something that will leave you feeling like you are floating on air. One of the most remarkable experiences I've ever had. But uh, they do that at the north side store only. If you just are sitting there thinking, well, I've got all these aches and pains. I, I just think I can feel better. Talk to her. I started taking her curcumin. Oh, man, I just can't tell you the difference it's making. I don't have a lot of aches and pains to begin with, but the few that I had pretty much went away when I started taking her advice on a number of different issues. Plus, I think the best way to fight all the COVID challenges and all, keep your immune system strong, and Rhonda has wonderful things to support your immune system. And if you're dieting, let me tell you, it doesn't mean you have to give up flavor or even sweet. She's got some absolutely wonderful things that will totally combine apply with your diet, whether it's paleo or South Beach or whatever you're doing. She's got some wonderful things to help you get through your dieting and achieve your weight loss goals. As Rhonda's Nature's Way, closed on Sundays, open every other day. Southside Store on Southwest Military, Northside Store at the corner of I-10 and Callahan. South Texas Gardening with Bob Webster. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. All right, we are back to gardening. Actually, for the first time in a long time, I can come back on and say there is one open line. If you've been getting a busy signal, well, give it a try. You might just get through. We're going to talk to Jay and Susan and Louise, our favorite Louise out there. And uh, we start with Jay. Good morning, Jay. Good morning, Bob. How are you doing? Oh, so far, so good. First day in a in a week that I haven't had to put on long johns, so uh, <laughs> that's a big improvement as far as I'm concerned. That's a great improvement. I have a question about a root-bound foxtail fern. Yes, and a sir. Pot brought it inside. It's green. It's doing fine. And the proper way to separate and after separation, if it uh, will put shoots out. I would just put it in a bigger pot. I hate to tell you that, but it's very hard to, you know, you try to divide that crown and you end up just killing the whole thing. And um, in all honesty, if you need a smaller plant, I'd go out and buy one. Um, and, and that one, you know, just, just bump it up even a couple of inches in size. Being root-bound does not hurt anything. And all the different asparagus, you know, they get those big old nodules on the roots, and you get to the point where you, you ask yourself, hey, where did the soil go? There's nothing but roots left in this pot. But uh, if you can bump it up just, just to the next size bigger pot, it'll make a magnificent plant for you, but almost impossible to successfully uh, separate them. Oh, good. Sounds it's just like I'll just look at it and it'll be okay. Uh, my next question <laughs> yeah. is weeds in ground cover. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, proper way to treat the weeds in the ground cover. The ground cover is pretty healthy, but the uh, we get some nut grass and some other type of weeds in there. And I didn't know if your orange oil uh, vinegar situation would work with those on spot treating. It will, but it may be hard on your ground cover, too, so you need to try to get it on the weeds only. Now, nutsedge is a different story. Nutsedge you can treat with a fairly concentrated molasses, like maybe uh, half a cup of molasses to a gallon of water, and uh, that will start rotting the nutsedge out and will, if anything, will make your ground cover grow better. Uh, what, what, is it Asiatic jasmine? What kind of ground cover is it? It is. 
Yeah, yeah. On on Nuts Edge, uh, and you can use dry molasses if you like, but it needs to be pretty thick, pretty concentrated. But Nuts Edge, uh, uh, you can treat that way. The other things, if you can spot treat, uh, all well and good, but just try to keep it off the foliage of your ground cover. Long term, your your best control is just going to be get that jasmine really, really thick. Asiatic jasmine will have suffered a little damage. I doubt that any of it is truly killed, but you may find that you need to uh, cut off or mow off or whatever, top two or three inches. Uh, we'll know in about uh, ten days to two weeks exactly how damaged it is. But don't be surprised if uh, you know if you find that you that you need to trim it back actually if you do find that the top of it has browned out and you've still got your green weeds then you can go ahead and spray your vinegar and orange oil because it's not going to have any effect on brown leaves whatsoever so uh, we'll, we'll know a lot, lot more in a couple of weeks but uh, for now uh, spot treat on the green stuff and molasses on your nut sedge issues and molasses would be a broadcast type thing Again, if you want to use the dry molasses, a pretty heavy application of it. If you want to use a liquid molasses, put it between a quarter and half a cup to a gallon of water. And this is not just a foliar spray. This is a drench of the, uh, you know, of the base uh, anywhere you're seeing the nut sedge. Nut sedge likes anaerobic conditions. Nut sedge loves poor soil, and that's why it'll actually grow in muck. It'll grow in water. And when you start really jumping up the microbial activity, really getting a lot of oxygen into the soil, the nut sedge lots of times just folds up and dies, and that's what you're trying to accomplish with your molasses. Very interesting. My last question is uh, we cut down a Chinese fan palm uh, years ago. We have uh-huh. a stump that is flush with the earth. And what do you recommend on speeding up the deterioration of the stump? You know, that's an interesting question because I've not tried it on a palm. But what we do on hardwood trees, and there's absolutely no reason it wouldn't work with uh, with a palm that I know of, we drill some holes down into the into the stump portion, and then we fill them with uh, potassium nitrate. Used to be sold at every drugstore under the name of saltpeter. Um, then too many, you know, mischievous kids discovered that saltpeter is one of the three components of gunpowder, and all of a sudden, to protect us from ourselves, it's it's hard to find these days. But uh, you can you can get it from somewhere like Analytical Scientific out on Bandera Road, or most nurseries will have it under the name of stump remover. And what you do with this stuff, uh, you drill down into the stump, you. Um, uh, fill it with your saltpeter, give it a, just a little bit of time, in the case of a palm, probably two or three months. And what it does, it takes the cellulose and converts it into something called nitrocellulose, which is flammable. Not, It's not going to flame up or be anything dangerous. But uh, uh, and, and this will work even on an oak tree or the heart of the wood, the longer you give it. But then you just put you know a handful of charcoal briquettes on top, light them, and it just smolders down into the ground, and all of a sudden the whole stump is gone. So, uh, like yeah, you, you just drill down in, fill it with uh, saltpeter, Give it a few weeks or a couple of months, and uh, then just set it to smolder, and stump will be history. That's excellent. You know, you are a plant genius. (laughs) South Texas Gardening with Bob Webster is on the air. Talk to Bob now, 210-599-5555. 
Ah, uh, yes, and I apologize. I just uh, wasn't watching the clock there. Didn't realize we were so close to news. So uh, uh, let's go back and finish up that conversation with Jay, and then we'll talk to Susan and Louise and Robert. And uh, no, I was just uh, saying, Jay, I just have been uh, had the blessing of a good education and most of a life in the nursery business. So uh, I've, uh, <laughs> I've I've had a lot of experiences, and I always say my principal thing is to keep you from making all the mistakes I've already made. So uh, anyway, anything else I can help you with today? Well, the only uh, I just need to make a statement that you remember being five years old. I don't. <laughs> so, it confirms you being a genius one more time, and it wasn't no. your fault that it cut off. I think it was that uh, engineer dude. It's my oh, fault. Oh no, no, <laughs> it, uh, it, it was my fault because I'm legally supposed to say KTSA San Antonio at the top of the hour, so three minutes late. But don't tell the FCC. I think we'll get by with it this time. I've never talked to the FCC in my life, and I appreciate the conversation, <laughs> and I appreciate your show. Well, I appreciate your call this morning and listening, and uh, I know we'll talk again, and I know Susan is up next. Good morning, Susan. Good morning. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing pretty well. I understand you and Chris <laughs> I understand Chris had fun teasing you this morning. That's a good thing. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I was like, there's a fee to ask a question. <laughs> I warned you, if you sound like you have a good sense of humor, you know, <laughs> you, may, you may get teased a little bit. But, hey, where where else can you get a little, a little abuse with a lot of good information? <laughs> yeah, like a breath of fresh air this morning. Yeah, so, so appreciate your I, sense of humor. <laughs> How can I help you? <laughs> I have two questions I heard you mention earlier. Um, there was a woman who asked something about a shrimp plant. Yes. But I didn't catch whether it needed to be trimmed to the ground like the lantanas and all, or whether I just let it sit. Um, it'll look a lot nicer if you trim it down. You don't have to trim anything. I mean, Mother, Mother Nature doesn't, but all that is just dead tissue, so you might as well go ahead and cut it off, throw it in the compost pile, and uh, if you wait until the new growth starts coming out and then try to trim the old, it's very difficult to do without damaging the new growth. So, yeah, I, uh, ours in the next day or two hours will be back to the level of the mulch, and that goes for plumbago, lantana, shrimp plant, uh, fire spike, uh, probably most of the Esperanza is going to be frozen down near ground level. Pride of Barbados most certainly has been frozen back. So, yeah, your your compost pile is going to grow substantially this week. Okay. Well, which leads into my second. Could you talk a little bit about um, the kinds of pruning implements that would be good for these different things? Did you hear Chris make the cash register sound? <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's another <laughs> and we can put it right on your phone. Now. There you go. Uh, okay, types that, and that you know this is an excellent question for the uh, the well-rounded plant person. Um, if you if you have big things uh, to trim. Uh, and, and I'll just, I'll just run you through the whole thing. And this is a lot more than you're going to need to know. But, uh, if you are a person who actually does some of your own pruning on fairly heavy woody things, uh, chainsaw 
is a is a very useful tool and I love the new lithium ion battery powered chainsaws. I mean, I've got three big gasoline steel saws up to 8 inch 18 inch bar on them. I don't think I've started them in 4 or 5 years since I got one of their lithium ion battery saws and I always say this is a lady saw because the most reason the reason most ladies will not use the chainsaws they don't want to start the damn things cuz it's always a pain. But with a battery powered saw, you just squeeze the trigger and grow, go, and I was cutting firewood, uh, extra firewood during this cold snap. You know, cutting eight ten-inch diameter logs with that with that battery-powered chainsaw as quick or as quickly or you know even sometimes quicker than I could with a gas saw. So if you're doing heavy-duty stuff, go see uh, oh uh, uh, CNL lawnmower repair or somebody one of your good steel dealers and look at that. Next step down would be a good hand pruning saw. And you don't prune with a carpenter saw for a very simple reason. What we call the set, the angle of the teeth on the saw is totally different. A carpenter saw cuts when you push forward. A pruning saw cuts when you pull back. And so you can get a little hand pruning saw or you can get a saw on the end of a fiberglass pole. And so, again, people that have serious heavy-duty pruning to do, uh, those are good things. Uh, next step down is going to be what we call lopping shears, which are long handle shears with short blades on them. The better ones will have a good steel blade. The really good ones actually have kind of a lever action so that the blade is not directly attached to the shears and you can get up to three times as much force when you close those handles to prune. Um, I know somebody that once angered his wife by pruning that he could cut the leg off of one of their tables. <laughs> That's a whole other story. But anyway, it's uh, uh, but but a good pair of lopping shears is what you're going to need for cutting back, you know, heavy-duty uh, shrubs and things like that that may have suffered a bunch of freeze damage. But get one with real good steel, um, in this case S-T-E-E-L, the, the uh, equipment I was talking about is steel, S-T-I-H-L. But uh, you want good steel and you get what you pay for. Uh, the cheap stuff you buy at the box stores will dull quickly and will wear out quickly. A good saw or a good pair of shears can last you for many, many years. Um, and, you know, from these, uh, we go from, uh, the short blade, the sh- long handle short bladed shears we use for cutting things. People who want to, you know, trim something to a specific shape or people who want to cut back ground cover then we'll go with some shears that have a longer handle plus a longer blade and those are what we would call head shears and uh, a lot of people will be out using those to trim back the frozen top on asiatic jasmine or venka major or things like that from there we go down to hand shears which um, again there's a great deal of variation in quality um, there, and again, great deal of variation in price. You can pay $100 for a pair of good shears. You can pay $5 for a pair of lousy shears. I usually use something in between. I happen to like a brand called ARS, and uh, those, I think, for the money, are some of the best hand shears that you will find anywhere. Beyond that, you'll get down to little things we call micro shears, which have short, very sharp blades, which are what we use for like taking the dead blooms off of things, for doing bone size, for doing very, very light pruning, cutting back, uh, you know, lightweight dead limbs and, um, and, you know, cutting the old flowers off everything from Gerber daisies to uh, things like that. 
And that pretty much, uh, beyond that, about the only thing I can uh, really think of is something we call a, a pruning knife or a grafting knife. Uh, not many people are into grafting, but there are specially made knives uh, that you can use in that endeavor. But uh, that that is kind of the list from... Uh, top to bottom and i will admit to having i think everything on that list but uh that that's the list of uh, of pruning implements that a person may be using this week okay and do you carry those at your um nursery well obviously we don't carry the really heavy power uh you know the steel chainsaws and things like that i do recommend right. very highly cnl mower over on austin highway closed on right. sunday and monday but jay and willie over there are it's, and Jay's the lady, Willie's the guy. They are some of the nicest people in the world. But um, we carry a pretty wide range of, of good quality pruning shears. Um, we don't have the pole saws. Again, uh, I'll send you to C&L because uh, steel makes the best pole saw in the world. And um, uh, real heavy-duty stuff like that. But just good hand shears. Yeah, we keep a pretty good selection of them. Most nurseries will. Okay. Um and I have a question. I got a hold of Sam Sitterly, and he uh-huh. is now working with us with our yard, which has been fantastic. Good. Very good. Out, we, have, we have things that bushes that were planted, and now the trees have all grown, so the bushes are wrong for where they are. Um, so I guess those different saws and that kind of stuff, because he said just cut them off and instead of pulling them up to just cut them off and pitch them. Well, probably good advice, and here's the reason. Um, you obviously, the bigger plants that have overgrown them, if you were trying to rip the others out of the ground, uh, you could end up damaging the roots on, on your plants that you want to protect. So um, usually, yes, just cutting them off at ground level is going to be... Uh, is going to be the the ticket on that and uh the things that that we described uh will be the tools that you wanted to do it with uh there there are you know certain things for instance if you're going to cut a palm you've got to be super careful because that that trunk is made of a totally different material and it'd be quite dangerous to cut if you don't know what you're doing so there may be places you want to you know have a professional help but uh in general removing the things that are no longer going to be a part of your landscape yeah the kinds of shears and things we were just talking about are exactly what you want to use and then i have big banks of cast iron plants that were looking a little little wobbly Uh to start with and he Uh recommended that i cut those off to the ground I would suggest that. You would not? No, I would suggest that. Uh, We have a big bed of aspidistra up front. Um, Yes, that's what it is, aspidistra. Yeah, your hand shears, I mean, it's going to... uh, um, it's you're not going to do it all in one day if you have big beds of it, but you know it's it's just going to be good exercise and what it's what it's going to be. You could use the, uh, you know, the head shears, the thing with the long blades, if you wanted to. Uh, if you happen to have, um, and again. I, I got one of these kind of by accident, uh, sort of as a package deal, you might say. But uh, steel makes a battery-powered hedge trimmer, you know, those things that they use to just take the top off of things. And you could use one of those to, uh, you know, to cut your aspidistra. In fact, you've just given me a, a real good idea. Ours, 
you know, it looks green now, but I can tell looking at the leaves that there's going to be a lot of dead show up. So we're just going to cut ours back to ground level and let it come out uniformly uh, in the spring, which, uh, you know, it hopefully isn't very far away. But um, you can you can either use shears like that or you can use a little bit of patience and just snip, snip, snip one at a time. The nice thing is that since you're going to be cutting them all, it's not like you're trying to choose between the good ones and the bad ones. Because my experience, I, I go snip to cut off a bad one, and the beautiful new leaf next to it falls over. And the one that I meant to cut is still firmly attached. But in this case, you're going to cut them all, so it's going to go a lot more smoothly. <laughs> okay. Yeah, you're living in my lane. I've done that before. it's uh, like i say i i I speak from experience not from something i read in a book and uh uh, but i just every day i'm thankful to be able to do it okay well i certainly appreciate your information you are certainly welcome and i'm sure (laughs) chris is in rare form this morning (laughs) you get out and have a you have a good weekend and we will uh and we will talk again (laughs) thanks susan all right thank you bob Certainly. Goodbye. And for those of y'all out there listening, thinking, what are those idiots up to? My my engineer, I was trying to convince her that she had to pay a fee for each question we answered. So, like I say, we, we specialize in uh, a little humor along with a lot of gardening information. Uh, Louise and Robert, hold on just a second because I don't want to get behind on commercials. We're going to run this quick break, and you guys will be up next. South Texas Gardening with Bob Webster is on the air. News Talk 550 KTSA and FM 1071. All right, back to gardening and back to the phone lines. Louise is up next, and for all of you that have been around a while, we knew her for many, many years as Elf Louise and all the wonderful things she did to help the kids of San Antonio. Good morning again. Good morning, Bob. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for sharing such great information with all of us. You're helping us navigate <laughs> a lot. <laughs> well, there's a lot to navigate. There's a yeah, lot to navigate is. this week, yeah. I I have some questions. I loved you were talking about shears. I've got questions about when to cut things back and how much. So if I could, I want to name some plants. I've got okay. a lot of viburnums that look varying degrees of really bad. When about do you cut two- those back? About two weeks, we'll be able to tell what is really dead and what is just cosmetic. And uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you. Let's just say around Easter. Easter's a couple of weeks away, and that'll be a real okay. good time to uh, think oh, for viburnum. That sounds great. And then I've got xylosmus. I've got a two year old row that I was trying to create hedges. It ranges from completely dead to pretty bad, and they were covered. And then I've got t- yeah. a twenty year old or a couple of twenty year old xylosmus. I think they'll be fine, but again, I'm going to wait about two weeks to really determine how much damage there is. Okay. Is that true, generally speaking, with everything, to wait about two weeks? Uh, Only on woody shrubs. Now, things that, like perennials, like shrimp plant, like the plumbago, Mm -hmm. like uh, tender salvias, uh, duranta, the Brazilian skyflower, those things, you might as well just go ahead and cut them down to ground level, uh, because that's just dead foliage. You'd expect that to... uh, you to, to cut back it's just we've we've all gotten kind of spoiled because it's been a long time since we had a real yeah. cold winter and unfortunately mm-hmm. this was just 
polar cold. This wasn't even regular cold, but uh, things like that, um, variegated ginger. Uh, there's a lot of damage to things like the foxtail asparagus. Those plants are going to come right back out, but you've got a choice. You wait a while on those, and then you're just picking through saying, oh, okay, this one looks okay. No, this one doesn't. Yeah, this, And you're taking an hour to try to trim one plant. I'm just going to lop the whole thing back and uh, mm-hmm. let it come out again. So things where the top is is definitely dead, like perennials, that's just kind of like cutting your fingernails or your hair. That's dead tissue. <laughs> Go ahead and... Okay. And I know you said to keep the, um, on the sago palm, to keep the fronds that had some green. My green is a very slightly green, mostly gray. Do you consider that green? I think we'll wait a couple of weeks on those to be sure. Uh, the okay. ones that are totally gray, go ahead and take those fronds off. But uh, it's, it's in all honesty, it, it's going to be a couple of weeks before we can really tell what is healthy green and what is unhealthy green. So uh, you've, got, you've got enough work to do that um, <laughs> you, I, I think that it may even be a couple of weeks anyway until you get time to do it. So, yeah, I'm yeah, going to hold yeah. off a little while on the sagos where, where there's okay. a mixture. Now, if it's just all brown, go ahead and cut them. Okay, and then I, I covered my very old box hedges, not knowing that they could survive without a cover, and it yeah. caused them, because there was a canvas on them, it caused them to kind of lean forward. How much trimming can you do on a box hedge? How do I take care of that to do the best with what I've got? Okay, well, I'll tell you about my boxwoods. When I moved up to the ranch full-time, I had some that were probably... I don't know, 75 years old at that point, Mm -hmm. and they were about eight feet tall, and I wanted to get them down to about three feet, but we never want to take more than, oh, 40% or so of the green foliage off at any one time. So, you know, if, if it all needs to be cut back a little bit, then you can go ahead and cut it back as long as you're not taking off more than 40% of the foliage. And I cut There's not mine... much foliage. It's usually mostly brown on the end, you know, maybe an, an less than an inch in, it seems like. Okay. Um, then in that case, let's wait until we see a little bit of new growth. But, okay. But where you have a plant that's 8 feet tall and it really needs to be 3 feet tall, then you do it in two steps. And in the, we'll use my boxwood hedge as a case. Um, I went through and I took like every other limb sticking up and cut it way down to that, that in this case, about a 3-foot level. And uh, so I, I only took away like 40, 50% of the foliage. So about a month later, all of my little short stubs had started leafing out and putting on a whole bunch of new, nice foliage down low. So then I go back and cut the other half of them all the way back. And that way I've got them down to, uh, uh, you know, where they need to be. It's just important to remember that it's not we're cutting them back 40%. We're cutting them back as far as we want to, as long as we don't take away more than 40% of the leaf surface. And I hope okay. that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And then I've got something, I don't know the name of it. It's grassy, so it's got a, a golden flower on it, and the stem is about 18 inches long. And it, at the base, there's kind of this grassy look, sort of like monkey grass. Do you know what mm-hmm. that is? It is probably one of, uh, uh, so the, and, and the, tell me, tell me what the flower looks like. It's golden and yellow in color, but overall, how would you describe the shape of it? Uh, maybe sort of like an orchid, but not exactly. I mean, it's, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't look like a daisy. <laughs> I don't know exactly how to describe it. If you name okay. the name, I'll know. Uh, Bulbine? 
Yes. Very good. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I, I get the. I get the. Okay. Now, yeah. Now I'll take uh, uh, trees for five thousand or whatever. But um, bulbine again. We're going to have to wait and see. Bulbine normally is totally cold hardy, but anything. I guess you could say anything that is current turned kind of translucent that's frozen. It might as well be cut back. Anything that's relatively solid, leave it alone and uh, just okay. let it regrow. Great. And one last question. You were talking about shears. I happen to have Fisker. Do you think those are good enough? Fiskars, Fiskars are a good, what I would call, low-end shear. Um, uh-huh. They're probably the best of the reasonably priced shears. Uh, they don't hold an edge nearly as well as the ARS or some of the fancier mm-hmm. ones, the steels and all do. But Fiskars are... Uh, are, are uh, they're not quite as good as Corona, but uh, for a value share, they are okay. But if you get frustrated with them, don't try to sharpen them. Throw them away and go buy some more. Okay. And if, if you're looking for ARS, just, I want that for my birthday. So this is great. That would Thank be you uh, so much, Bob. And and just for since you're a lady that likes to know everything, um, my friends <laughs> over at Rodriguez Butcher Supply, you know, told me something that has really stayed with me for a long time. They said if uh-huh. you want a really sharp knife that you can sharpen frequently, and he was talking about sushi knives and things like this. He mm-hmm. said go with go with Japanese steel. Japanese steel will make the sharpest, best edge that you can uh, that you can put on a blade. He said if you are going to be cutting something heavy duty or going to be cutting bone, he said get German she- German steel because he said German steel will not take as fine an edge as Japanese steel, but it'll be a long time before you have to sharpen it. So, uh, oh, interesting. I, I thought that was very, very interesting, and those guys are just so, so good. I think Swiss is somewhere in the middle, and that's I think that's what ARS is, but... Um, Anyway, just get the get the best deal you can get without breaking the bank doing it, and don't loan okay. them to anybody because that's a okay. problem with getting shears. If you loan them, you'll never see them again. All right. <laughs> Either that, or you or you follow your shears as they go. That's next door. Uh, there. You go, Louise. It's so good to talk to you. It's you have a good day, you, and uh, thank you. Check so back much. in with me a couple of weeks, and let me know how everything's looking. I will, and I appreciate everything you know and all you share with us. Great, great pleasure. Thank, Thank you. you. <laughs> ah, goodbye. All right, Chris, let's get our uh, 30-minute break out of the way, and it'll be Robert and Bob and Ron. South Texas Gardening with Bob Webster. News Talk 550, KTSA, and FM 1071. All right, back to gardening and back to the phone lines. It's going to be Robert and Bob and Ron and Charlotte, and Robert is up first. Good morning, Robert. Well, Good morning. The breezy morning. day out here in shirts. Yeah, that's what I hear. It's getting, starting to get a little breezier here. I just wish that sun had come back out and stay out. But, hey, sure beats 8 degrees. Oh, that's for sure. Okay, now on the banana tree. I don't, I don't think I've, I've heard anything about bananas. I went out yesterday and was, you know, uncovering stuff. And Anyway, the bananas, some of them are looking really bad. Some of them just actually just fell right over. Oh, yeah, yeah. You might as well just cut them all down to ground level. The The standard banana palms will come right back out. Now, some of the newer, fancier ones, the Abyssinians, the Red, the Rojo, things like that, those, uh, maybe, maybe not on those, but the old-fashioned banana palms that have been around for many, many years, you might as well just lop them down to the ground and wear the oldest 
you know, worn out clothes you've got when you do it because I don't yeah. know anything that stains the way that banana palm sap stains. But uh, not to worry. We won't have any stalks of bananas this year because they need, you know, a, more than a full season of growth. And uh, when we have years that they don't freeze down, then we sometimes get bananas the next year. But that's not going to happen this year unless they were in a greenhouse. And those there's there's no reason to wait. You might as well just cut them down into the compost pile. Yeah, they certainly hold a lot of moisture. That's for sure. <laughs> yes, sir, they do. And uh, and uh, but you know they they'll be back. You'll be amazed how quickly they'll come back out this spring. I know. <laughs> uh, now, last year I did four of my trees did produce fruit. So uh-huh. um, that was really, yep. really good. Well, those those are dead per se. You know, once they produce fruit, that that stalk is not going to ever do anything else except make more new ones at the base. So yep. those big things, they're probably eight inches across, but they're not going to come back out. They're just going to come up from the little ones around the base. The smaller ones that have not produced fruit, they're probably going to start out right from the center, right where they left off and, and grow back up. But uh but they're, you know, they're they're kind of like a century plant in and it is one fruiting season and that's it. That's right. And then the next is the poinsettia. Now I have um, five plants that I've had since Christmas, before Christmas. They're uh-huh. in the house. When okay. can they go outside in the, into the ground? About the time you plant your tomatoes. Um, they really don't want to freeze back. I mean, it would be... Uh, you could cover them again. You could put them out a little earlier, but I'd wait until you think we're pretty much beyond the danger of a hard freeze and then plant them out. The, the one thing about planting poinsettias in the yard, number one, put them where they get good bright sunlight. And number two, put them where they don't get much, if any, artificial light at night because that's what tells a poinsettia when to color up as we get the long nights and the short days. If you put them right underneath your porch light and you leave your porch light on, they're going to think it's still July when it's the 1st of December and you'll never get the color. So away from artificial light but getting bright sunlight. And uh, they, you know, they certainly froze uh, down with this kind of freeze, but there are various places around town that just have gorgeous poinsettias in the years that they don't freeze back too early so yeah i think they're great in the yard yeah in fact my mine are doing real good under my grow lights in the house so i'll just leave them here for a while longer sounds good along with my um uh, plumeria i have uh two of my like four foot tall plumerias in the house too, oh wow so we'll just stay with them and don't worry uh, if every leaves falls off. That's that's normal on plumerias, but yeah, they they don't like it warm. They like it hot. So right. I think they'd be fine inside for a while longer. Yeah. On the uh, Greggii plant, now I'm not exactly sure which one this is. I got it from you, oh, probably August or something like that. Anyway, it, uh-huh. it grew tremendously. I did cover it, uh, and I just uncovered yesterday, and it's obviously not looking real perky, but it's. I wasn't sure about how much to cut it down. You know, you just, just well, that's totally up to you. If you cut it, cut it to the spot you would like it to branch out. Um, Salvi Regii probably is going to survive even if it wasn't covered. So um, if you want to trim it, I'd do it fairly lightly, but uh, it's, you're just doing cosmetic work at this point. Okay. And let's see. <clears throat> just to let you know, the same time I brought that one, I brought the, um, I think it's Ab- Abelia... Radiance? Abelia. Abelia. Yeah. Uh huh. Oh. Okay. Um, it, uh, I did, it was pretty low 
still. So I just took a piece of plastic and covered it up. And, of course, then the snow went on top of it. And anyway, I, I uncovered it yesterday, and, boy, they look real perky. Oh, yeah. You probably didn't even need to cover that. Abelia is one of our most cold-hardy plants, so uh, um, you certainly didn't hurt anything, but uh, I, I doubt that you will ever have to cover an abelia. It'll be a, a, one of the easiest plants in your yard to maintain. Yeah. Now, just a, a question. Like, like Right now, they're very low to the ground. I would say maybe six inches. They haven't grown very tall. They did flower last, last year for me. Now, uh-huh. how, I mean, the height is supposed to get like 24, 36 inches, right? Eventually. Right, yeah. Yeah. Now, there, there are many, many different abelias, and the one you have probably is going to be two to three feet at maturity. I've got some of the old-fashioned ones in my house that are eight feet tall. So oh. abelias come in all sizes, and uh, the the ones that don't get very big are naturally more slow-growing to maintain that low stature. So just, you know, fertilize water, enjoy the flowers, and expect them that it'll take a little time for them to get up to that height. Okay, then. Well, then... Uh... That's about it. Then I'll go out and uh, trim down my shrimp and lantana plants. And Along with the banana palms. That's right. The problem yeah, all with right, the banana Robert. palms is, boy, I, I have a, about 10 stalks out there. And so, yeah. and then some of them are, are like, I would swear, 10 foot tall. So. Oh, yeah. And they're going to be very, very heavy. So uh, just do it carefully and get some good exercise. And call me when you have more questions. And we will go from Robert to Bob. Good morning, Bob. Um, uh, hey, I got a couple questions. It uh, looks like I might have made a mistake on my uh, Myers Lemon. I bought it from you last year. And uh, looking, it was looking really good. And I thought mm-hmm. I would uh, move it inside to avoid the... Uh, the freeze that was coming in, and uh, yes, I moved it in about a week ago, and uh, over the last couple three days, it's dropped about ninety-five percent of its leaves. <laughs> and by- oh, it'll it'll no, you you did the right thing. It will come back out. Had you left it outside, it would drop a hundred percent of its leaves, and it would not come back because it would have frozen. So, what you're yeah, you're experiencing something totally normal. You water it, you fertilize it, get it back outside, and hopefully we won't have any more cold severe enough to bring it in. But uh, not surprising when they come in for a week and not anything to worry about long term. Okay. The other question I've got is I got a pom- uh, pomegranate tree that, uh, you know, we had that nice warm weather and it started leafing out about uh, two weeks ago and it was getting some yeah. nice leaves all over it. And of course, when I covered it, but it didn't make any difference, it froze all the leaves off it. So is that going to yeah. come back? Yeah, yeah, it'll come back just fine. It just, it got a little mild setback, but it did not get severe damage. It should come back with no trouble at all. And my, I haven't heard you talk about bottle brush yet this morning, but it's uh, yeah. looking pretty ghosty, that kind of white out here. Yeah, the bottle brush really suffered. The variety called Little John that has kind of the gray-green foliage is the most cold-hardy, but I'm afraid most bottle brush, uh, and you're right, I have not talked about bottle brush at all, but I'm afraid the damage there is going to be pretty severe. Uh, you can go ahead and cut them back some, and then we're just going to have to watch and see what level they come out at. Most of them will come out from fairly low down, and then just anywhere they come out, you can assume that everything above that is frozen. You just cut them back to there, huh? Yes, sir. Okay. You answered the questions. Thanks a lot, Bob. Appreciate your advice. You're great. 
It's always my pleasure, Bob. Thank you, sir. (laughs) Goodbye. All right. uh, Let's go ahead and get our last break of the show out of the way, Chris, and we'll come back and talk with Ron and Charlotte. All right. Man, this three hours has flown by in a hurry. Uh, Let's finish up calls with uh, Ron and Charlotte and Don. Ron is up first. Good morning, Ron. Good morning, Bob. I'm glad to see you made it through this uh, nice uh, global warming that we've seen. <laughs> you know, I, I came through much better than a lot of the plants did. I'll just put it that way. It was For me, it was a big inconvenience, and that's about all. Yeah. It just reminded me why I uh, moved from Michigan uh, over 30-something <laughs> years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Very few people move north to retire. I'll put it that way. Oh, like I always say, it's it's uncomfortable to be hot, but it's painful to be cold. Uh, that's that's I've not heard that. That I'll remember that quote. I'll I'll give you credit for it for the first five times I use it, and after that, it's mine. <laughs> okay. Well, my question, real quick, is um, of course our uh, sago palms suffered at the hands of this global warming, and uh, so what's the best way to trim those back? And uh, they got the brown on them right now. And uh, okay, leave it. Go ahead. Um, no, what I was going to say on sagos. Uh, it's this is tough, you know, and and in the years that they freeze back, many times they that somehow pushes them into a blooming cycle, which makes it a year before they get any new growth on them. So what I'm telling people is go through the top of that wearing eye protection and gloves, of course, and yeah. any fronds that are totally brown, go ahead and cut them off. They're not doing the plant any good. But if okay. you find fronds that are you know, the the end near the trunk, what they call the proximal end, let's say it's a third green and then the the outer part is brown, go ahead and trim the brown part off, but do not take the green part off because that plant needs every square inch of green foliage it can manage. And you may end up with a funny-looking sago uh, because, you know, half or more of the fronds are going to be trimmed back, but, but leave as much green as is there because that's what's going to pull them through most quickly. Mm-hmm. And the other one was the, I believe you identified this other plant that I had in my backyard. It's the one that's got the big, uh, long, broad leaves. It's kind of gray-colored with the spines all along the edges, and it has little yeah. points at the very end. I believe it was a, mm-hmm. was it agave? It was either an agave or a sotol, and probably an agave of some sort. And what would be the best way to trim that back? Ah, at this point, wait and see. Um, okay. you know, agaves, the variegated agaves, they took it hard. A lot of them are dead. Uh, the silver ones, some of them are totally unhurt. Some of them have some damage. And it's going to be, I'm going to say if you give it two weeks, you'll be able to tell which fronds actually froze. And, um, uh, occasionally, occasionally the whole top will die, but they sprout back from the underground shoots. But at this point, let's just play wait and see. You've got enough to do. Two weeks from now, then you can go through, and anything that has kind of started getting a little soft and mushy, trim that out completely, and the other just don't touch it. Okay. Do you think it's had a good impact on our unsavory little critters like fleas and ticks? No. No, <laughs> I no, I'm, I hate to say that, but uh, I, that's one of the, you know, hope springs eternal, I guess you would say. But in this case, it's uh, it's very 
unlikely because look at where they go they go down in the bottom of the wood pile they get you know they they bury themselves down in the mulch which uh, all the things that we're trying to do to protect our plants they say hmm, i'm gonna get down in the bottom of this because it's nice and warm so uh maybe a slight impact but uh we're not going to be able to totally put away the revolution or anything else we're gonna we're gonna be out there with those beneficial nematodes again pretty soon all right bob well thanks for taking my call you have a great day you do the same, Ron. I appreciate it. Thank you. And <laughs> goodbye. All right. Charlotte is up next. Good morning, Charlotte. Good morning, Bob. I have a question. Because of the hard freeze, our citrus trees took a hit. Will they come right. back? I have, I have a Meyer lemon that already had blooms on it, and I lost it. I covered it up, but it still looks pretty wilted. And then we had two, an orange tree and a, a tangerine tree that are huge and that produce a lot of fruit, but they do not look good right now. So will they come back, or what can I do? Good question, and it's going to be a little while before we're we're really going to know. Now, one thing you need to do on all of these trees is look down on the lower foot or two of the trunk and see if you see splits in the trunk. If you do, um, you really need that, that those trees need immediate attention. Um, if you were to go to Howard Garrett's website, you could look up what he calls tree goop, G-O-O-P. And I can tell you basically it's close to equal parts of, uh, diatomaceous earth, D-E, rock phosphate, powdered, and, uh, compost. And you make sort of a slurry out of this and, you know, just slather it up, try to fill in the splits, try to cover up all the areas. Uh, think of them as a serious wound on the tree, and you're going to try to kind of get the tree goop all over them. And then you're probably going to wrap it up with plastic, or if they're just little splits, you could use electrician's tape, the wider variety, or something like that. But um, unfortunately, if you see big big splits in the trunks without that treatment the trees may die so um uh this is just real serious cold the other thing about citrus is you need to watch the base of the trees very carefully because the rootstock the the uh plant that was grafted onto usually it's called sour orange or trifoliate orange it is much more cold hardy and it will sprout out even when the top of the plant has been severely damaged, and you do not want to let that happen. Any new shoots that you see coming out down at the base, cut them off immediately because you want that tree putting its effort into sending that sap, sending the good stuff into the grafted portion of the tree, not into the rootstock. So anywhere you see little green shoots coming out at the bottom, that's not your lemon or tangerine or orange coming out. That's the rootstock trying to sprout. And you cut that off as soon as you see that appear. Beyond that, we're just going to have to watch them for two, three, four weeks and try to assess uh, if there's any more damage that we need to do something about. Limbs that are obviously, you know, frozen solid brown foliage might as well go ahead and just trim those off but the main thing is that trunk i want you to check it really carefully for splits if it is split i want you to slather it up with three goop as soon as you can okay so if no splits just just continue to watch it yeah yeah okay absolutely and watch for those uh, sprouts coming off the rootstock okay that'll work all right thank you bob get to back to me on how it looks charlotte want to hear from you in a week or two okay Thanks. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, You're welcome. All right. We'll finish up calls today with Dawn. Good morning, Dawn. Good morning, Bob. Well, I have been listening um, 
every single second, and I haven't heard you say anything about a ponytail palm. What do Ooh. I do about it? Yeah. Did it stay outside the whole time? It stayed out step against the house and covered, but the top of it looks very, very sick. Well, a ponytails are not a true palm. They are a tropical plant, so we're going to have to keep our fingers crossed on this one. The top of the plant is probably gone. Um, okay. Let's hope that the base of it, because it can grow a whole new trunk. In fact, sometimes when the top of the plant freezes, it'll put out three trunks instead of one. So. Okay. Um, it's going to need, at this point, it might as well, you know, stay outside and be uncovered because uh, we're not looking at any more freezes for at least the next week or 10 days in San Antonio. Um, right. If but, but watch the big old, you know, woody base of it. If you start seeing, you know, soft, spongy areas in it, uh, as you've probably mm-hmm. heard me say about some other things, get the cinnamon out because that yeah. could be places that you have some bacterial rot started. And, okay. um, I, I mean, I've seen big ponytails that went through this that have big hollows. You know, there'll be just be big depressions on the top and the sides. And then the, you know, trunks are coming up out of the top of them. So not going to give up on it at this point. But if this ever happens again, it needs to come inside covering it alone. Um, hopefully that's been enough to save it, but, uh, you know, the, expect that that trunk sticking up at some point, it's just going to kind of shrivel and get limber and just kind of topple over. And at that point, okay. just, just cut it cleanly off. But, uh, that's about all you can do for the ponytail, except, uh, keep it warm. Maybe give it a little super thrive next time it needs water. Do not allow it to stay bone dry. They don't, they don't ever really want them to become bone, bone dry. But because right. we want to be real careful with that bulbous part of it, um, how, how big is this bulbous part of it? How many inches across would you say? Oh, at least 14, 16 inches. Oh, it's, wow. It's been yeah. like a 22-year-old plant. Wow. It, you know, to water it, um, water it very slowly. We don't want to get a lot of water on the damaged portion of it. If it was a little one, I was going to tell you, set it down in a bucket of water to water it. Big one, that's right. not going to be possible. So just water it very slowly around the edge of the pot, but be sure it never dries out completely. Okay. Should I, should I lop the top of it off? Where, not, where the, not until it starts. No, not until it starts shriveling. You'll know okay. pretty soon uh, how much of it's uh, frozen, and then you can cut it down to that point. Okay, two more quick questions. I have the tri-colored or bi-colored. Are they iris? I bi-colored don't know. iris? I, yeah, I they should come so. right back out. Yeah, it's the one okay. with the yellow and brown flowers. Yes, yes. Yeah. They should come out without any problem. Uh, most of their damage is going to be cosmetic, but uh, I, okay. I doubt that there's any real serious damage. Were they in pots or were they in the ground? They're in pots. Okay, that's a little more serious. We're just going to have to wait and see. Start seeing new growth in the spring. They're out of the woods, but uh, in a pot, the roots froze along with the top. So uh, let's just kind of watch and see what comes out. Okay, do I have time for one more quick one? you got a minute and eight seconds. Okay, how about a pencil cactus? It's probably gone. Okay, I mean, it's so t- it's so big, there was no way that I could bring it in. So yeah. I'll just... Yeah, it, watch it a little while and see, but it first goes into a poinsettia. It's actually a euphorbia. It's not a cactus. Um, okay. In this case, 
And looking, you know, 40 years down the road, if you're in the same position and they have the same forecast, get your pruning shears out and lop it down to a small enough size that you can bring it in because okay. it would be uh, it'd be hard to cover when they're that big and uh, almost impossible to survive without being covered. So uh, keep trimming and let me know how it does. Thank you so much. I appreciate it all. It's always a pleasure, Don. Thank you. <laughs> Goodbye. Yeah.